0: Welcome to my good bad brain I'm a normal person so I'm insane I've got depression and ADHD But I'm doing better since I medicated me I'm still not always sure whether I exist Or what being a person even really is But I figured out a long time ago is beautiful <laughs> all right hi welcome to the second episode of my good bad brain which I am dropping the first day I wanted to put a couple out at once just to just to get this ball rolling we'll do one a week after this um as usual uh businessy stuff first go to patreon.com my good bad brain if you like this. Leave me a review, blah, 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 blah. blah. You've listened to podcasts before. You know how the internet works. You know how support on the internet works. Whew. This episode, um, this was awesome. I loved this one and I wanted to uh, put it out first. Um, Miles Thompson is one of my best friends. He's my best fucking friend, man. I always feel weird saying that because it feels like it's like saying your favorite movies. Someone's like, "What are your favorite? What are your top ten favorite movies?" And you're like, "Well, I don't want to say this one in front of this one because this one." That's like saying, "Like they're all my favorite." You know what I mean? So if you have best friend, if you have category of best friend, it's like which of your brothers is your best friend? It's like well, they're my fucking brothers, man. I love them. Uh, Miles is very, very much inner circle best friend shit with me, and I'm lucky, Um, and so. Miles is, well, let's get some, let's do some, let's do some of the nonsense, the, the bio kind of thing, right? Like, like, Miles is a chef, okay? He's nominated for a James Beard award right now, which is like an Academy Award for chefs. That's insane. And he just turned 30. He was last year, I think, uh, 30, uh, one of the, the, the rising star in the country, they called him an Esquire. He's won a bunch of awards. He's just a genius chef. And if you Google Miles Thompson, You'll find reviews and video of his food. Uh, I think some video, definitely some pictures of his food. Uh, you can eat his food at this restaurant called Michael's in Santa Monica right now. It's wonderful. Um, but I met Miles acting in a... Terrible straight to kind of DVD movie I don't know where you can see it now I'd rather you didn't No you can it's funny. it's funny It was called Foreign Exchange is Terrible And um, it was very bizarre that Miles was on this movie I think he got involved because a friend was involved uh, Because Miles is a legit good actor He was in a movie called You Me and Everyone We Know Or something like that A Miranda July movie when he was a kid And after that he studied uh, classical guitar and, and, uh, and then he became this chef when he decided I didn't, he didn't like the consistency of acting. He'll talk about it, I think, a little bit in here. Um, I, he Just who does that? Who's that genius? Who, like that you're in indie darling, like, you know, critically acclaimed movies when you're a kid. You decide you don't do it. You become a, 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 you know, college level classical guitarist. Very good guitar like Leave it behind. You didn't, you're done with it. Go do food. And before you're 30, you're nominated for a James fucking Beard Award. I mean, he's a genius. He just is. He's a weird genius. Um, and I think a question that comes up talking to this weird genius who I am quite uh, uh, enamored of that I love very deeply is uh, I think a question arises a little bit about high powered brains, genius brains. I think about like uh, cars, you know, like Ferraris. If you're a race car, if you're a Ferrari, you can't drive that every day. Uh, you have problems, you know, like y- you're going to have problems, you're going to hit bumps in the road and the car won't deal with them quite as well necessarily as a Honda Civic would, but when that thing needs to rip and roar, god damn, I'd rather be in the Ferrari than the Honda Civic, you know, you-, you can move in that thing and you can do things that you just can't do in a Honda Civic, but sometimes you really wish you had the reliability of the Honda Civic, and I think for a lot of people out there who have this experience of feeling like this experience with their brain they know their brain's capable of these amazing things but then there's these aspects of it like well what good is all that horsepower if uh i don't know like the there's something wrong with the wiring that gets the accelerator that got you know knocked loose last time you took it out for a spin or whatever this you get the metaphor i don't know about car stuff that much um and so with miles he was so open with me about real struggles he's gone through and real struggles that he still has to maintain Um, being diagnosed, uh, you know, bipolar and, um, having some intense experiences. Uh, he's been held, uh, in, in overnight, uh, on a 72 hour hold. Uh, I think it's called a 5150. He talks about that. And, um, I got to know some more things about my friend I've known for more than a decade. Um, which was illuminating and wonderful and really generous of him to share, um, because I think his story is so inspira- inspiring, uh, I'm sorry, I couldn't pick between inspirational and inspiring. And I so inspirational, so inspiring. He's, I don't know. Anybody I think can take from this and, and think like, damn, if Miles has that brain that gives him all those beautiful things and also all those struggles, if he has a brain that is that good and that bad at the same time, and he gets through it and he can do the things that he does, learn how to work with it learn how to live with it and make these things i mean he makes delicious wonderful things that makes life more beautiful more spectacular more lived in for countless human beings you know there's something really magical about feeding somebody and feeding them something beautiful and feeding them something they've never tried before and he does that all the time um He talks about some management-style stuff, which I think is really interesting, how we deal with other people in terms of are we harsh or or kind or or disappointed or whatever. It's just a beautiful conversation. I am giving it way, way enough preamble here, I think. I'm just excited about it. Um, Yeah, listen to this conversation with acclaimed, brilliant young chef and my best friend, Miles Thompson, uh, as he talks about his good, bad brain. With me, thank you. Um, yeah, good okay. Yeah, here I'll. I have a lot of cable. <clears throat> yeah, take more cable. So I can go for a walk around the room if I get uncomfortable. Yeah, which would be nice. I think that kind of <laughs> that kind of vibe of uh, communal a communal ta- salon hanging and having this. I like that. I like the being uh, tethered, like electronics that are tethered. Yeah, have a very. Um, artifact kind of vibe We're recording right now we are recording right now oh that's cool yeah i just like to just get into it get (laughs) breathing i didn't know who was starting cool yeah i mean well it's it's so funny that's only funny how fast you jumped on that because i feel like for a few people i've done this with i'll just do this then we just do this for like seven minutes or something like that and then they will be like and i just think it's interesting now i feel like there's a metric i should pay attention to of like how fast people go like Are we starting now? You know, yeah. Like how long it takes them for me to be like, how how long do you need before we properly begin? Before I go, yes, you're right. I should do this. So hello, welcome to uh, my good bad brain. This is a podcast about like mental health and being a person and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And today I'm with Miles Thompson. Yeah. Like how you know, like how long do people need to? I don't know. They're uncomfortable with like. I think once you drop the line
1: about what the show is, they would know. Unless they well, ask before that. Well, that's what I mean. I,
0: I almost feel like I'm unconsciously trying to wait for them to to cue it up to go. Are we starting now? Mm-hmm. You know, and some uh. people take longer, and some people are like, "Oh, are you starting now?" Yeah, well, right, I right, mean,
1: right. once you brought up being tethered, I was like, okay, this sounds uh, very poetic. I think we're getting into the game that's right now. That's funny.
0: That is funny. Well, I said, like, before we start recording, too, that there's the weird thing of, like, as soon as you're recording a thing... I'll tell you something I've noticed doing this. I don't know the last time I've had conversations with people for 40 minutes, an hour, three hours, whatever, where we don't pick our phones up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I put my phone on airplane mode, so yeah. I'm, I'm distraction-free.
0: I know, but that's... It's, like, it's uh, it's interesting... Just that alone, like much less, like we're recording it. It's vaguely monitored. We're a little bit start monitoring ourselves. It's you know, but just the act alone of how unnatural it is now to really tune in with somebody, yeah, is weird. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like is related to food a little bit.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, well, I mean, if you talk about phones, like go on anybody's Instagram account and there's like food everywhere, and it's but how 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 you know tuned in are you to something that you're eating if the first reaction to it is to take a photograph of it.
0: That is interesting. But, but I, one could argue, well, first I I still think it's very funny that we put pictures of our food online and people like to criticize it. Yeah. But like, like the weirdest thing is everyone likes to criticize selfies and food pictures. They're like, Oh, what am I going to, who cares? You know? But like, those are what we value most innately as organisms are the faces of people we are familiar with who are part of our tribe and sustenance. Yeah. And it's so weird that we unconsciously just put that out like instinctively. Oh, we have technology. We're thousands of years away from being cave people. I'm just going to put, mm, look, I mm, ate today. Yeah, I, look, this oh, person's look, alive and I'm together with them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Isn't that weird? Yeah, no, it's actually a really interesting point. It makes, it makes complete sense. I mean, those are the things we value. So, you know, that's pretty cool.
0: Well, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Like I do think that about the selfie thing, like people are, you're supposed to feel narcissistic or whatever about it. Like it's, Oh, taking pictures of yourself. But like, um, when I actually look online, like, like the met, like you have an Instagram account. I get more likes on pictures of me than just stuff that I think is cool.
1: Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I rarely put up pictures of
0: myself, but I always get like, like at least two hundred percent more likes. Yeah, and I started realizing when I go on there, I even if they do a picture every day, some people are a little bit too much, especially if they do the same pic- face in every picture, yeah. which is weird. But I, it makes me happy to see the people that I like. Like, like I think in a very unconscious tribal way like this is my weird little tribe mm-hmm. and it makes me happy to see their faces and so I double t- I'm like instinctively double tap and you're yeah. like it, it's just weird that this thing will criticize is a thing that we unconsciously actually like for other people so like we're just participating in this mm-hmm. human tribe thing be like well here I am but like there's something that you know, makes everybody feel shame about that. feel like we're supposed to go like, well, how dare you say, well, here I am.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know, I understand that. And it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting thing. I mean, it's interesting. I, it's interesting that we, we started talking about Instagram right off the bat. Um, that's because it's, uh, it's something that's become very important in people's work and livelihood. You know? right? And for at least I mean, maybe not if you're an accountant. You know, it's not like tax right. forms, oh my god. Dude, gosh! I bet there I bet we could
0: go look at right now. I bet there's some like there's gotta be one famous like Account, Instagram accountant, accountant. in Insta, the Instagram sure. accountant, you know? Sure. Hey, here's a tip for today. When you're filling out your ten forty EZ forms, blah 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 blah. blah, blah, blah you know? Yeah, I mean I'm sure there is. It's
1: just interesting like <clears throat> when when uh one of the guys I work with is like, hey, I've noticed you're like more active on Instagram. Why is that? It's uh-huh. like, it's like, um, I, I I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, I guess it should be. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's this weird, like extra part of, I don't know. This is funny. It sounds so vain in the beginning. And we're going to get into much deeper stuff later, I'm sure. But it's just like, it's this weirdly important thing, at least in my, my field. I know because we're talking about food and all that, yeah. it's like. Well, what are you doing? And like, I love scrolling through Instagram and seeing what other chefs are cooking, and right. like, what other restaurants are serving, and their plateware and their stemware and their silverware, and you know what their uniforms are like. And I was actually talking to the same guy that I work with about there used to be this website called eGullet. Mm-hmm. I feel like I remember. Yeah, E was like the it was like it was like a kind of a open forum internet site uh, where you could post like how do you make veal demi-glace properly or something like that and then some other chef or cook would be like well this is how I've done it at this place and and Grant Atkins is notorious for writing on it and he writes about it in his book on, on oh, wow. Life on the Line about like how that's how he would you know communicate with other people and learn about stuff and I think that's actually how through that he got the job at uh, in and in, in Chicago the first job before he opened um, Uh
0: at uh, the, it was called the Three Something Trio Trio yeah, yeah. Three something. <laughs> Three something. Um, but in Evanston, Evanston. that's close yeah. to where I grew up. Yeah, yeah. But um, but best, best restaurant uh, there is Buffalo Joe's. Unfortunately, Buffalo Joe's, yeah. yeah. Buffalo buff wings, dude. Suicide, suicide suicide fries. All flat wings. Waffle fries. They put the sauce on it and jalapenos and that like weird melty cheddar. huh. And they call them suicide fries. Suicide and fries. They were so good. <laughs> Double frying those wings.
1: Oh, yeah. One lesson Korean, but almost there. Yeah. Anyway. But what i was saying about eGullet is back then, <clears throat> you know, this was over 10 years ago. Well, you know, Alinea just, you know, hit an important uh, anniversary. But, you know, over 10 years ago, you would go online and there was no like, there was no Instagram. There was no like thousands of blogs about Korean food. Mm. And if that stuff is like you had eGullet. <laughs> You had a question, you asked the yeah. universe of the internet and maybe someone would know how to make like Oxney soup and would like explain how their grandma did right, it. For right, right, right. But now it's funny because I was talking to this guy that I work with about it. And, you know, nowadays, if you want to learn how to do anything, it's either on the internet or you can troll through, right. troll and scroll through social media and find someone, direct message them, ask them about it. Like, I'm sure you could get the recipe for the 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 helium apple balloon at Alinea if mm-hmm. you just like direct message Mike Bagel and we're like, Hey Chef, you know, What's can the, you help me figure out how to do this? I want to do it for a what science is project.
0: What is the helium apple balloon? It's ball? an
1: apple taffy balloon filled with helium that they bring out like a balloon oh, to the wow. dining room and you eat it. That's and really it, like, pops, fun and it's like yeah.
0: Damn. That they, place sounds I mean I ate there once so there, I was eighteen.
1: 18. <clears throat> the craziest thing, I was talking to someone about you the other day, um and For the thing that we're going to do on Friday. the interview, And um, he was saying that, uh, oh, did uh, formative, did did Jared have any formative food experiences in his life that you know about? I was talking about like when you went to Alinea. Yeah. um, All that time. I mean, you basically went like months after the restaurant opened.
0: Yeah. I had no idea. Like I I went because I had a, actually someone who was a babysitter when I was a kid, like a nanny. Like she lived with us for a summer and and helped raise us, a couple, maybe a couple summers, and uh, she was like living in. I think she still lives in Austin, working for some newspaper. And I don't know. We just would stay in touch. I was eighteen, and mm-hmm. she asked if I wanted to. She's like, I heard about this restaurant I'm visiting Chicago, and would you like to come with this thing? Because I know, because I was, I was into food. Like I was like when I was twelve. I would took like a French cooking class to local appliance stores like me and all these middle-aged moms at like a, an oven store and like learning how to make salmon and crout, which, you know, God bless my parents. They like bought, all, I was like, here's my shopping list. And they came back and now I have no idea at the time. I had no idea, but now I know what a whole salmon costs, like a oh, whole yeah. fucking salmon flight. And they just came back with it. And I was like, now I'm like, that's like a hundred dollar piece of fish yeah, or something right? like that. Anyway. Uh, but so she knew I was like into cooking, even though I was uh, just a kid and, and I had never, I, I wasn't like, see now, now you can like tell when someone's like, Oh, you're like a food, per- you're like oh, cooked into the culture and paying attention. Mm. But I didn't have any of that. Well, and, that's also
1: going back just not to interrupt you, no, but going no. back to like the social media stuff, it's like, you know, or any of the stuff about just popular food. Oh, well, you know, <clears throat> at that time. There was the foodie, which now people make fun of as a term. We, we,
0: a long time ago, were trying to come up with a better term because foodie, it just sounds so bad. I'm a foodie. I like onion jam. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) It's like, that's just delicious. But at the same time, you know, we uh It's the ego thing. Like, like there's there there was no forum for it, so it's like you couldn't like out someone for being like, oh, do you like non-prick? Like, are you into Thai food or this kind of thing? Like, oh yeah, I love it. There's this five places that I go to. it's like it's like, do you like? It was kind of an unspoken thing. Like, do you like food? Do you do you like eating out? Do you like experiencing it? It was like that was still when it was. in this country. I mean, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it's still, it wasn't like, you know, San Sebastian, Spain, you got like a six year old at a tapas bar, like eating all this crazy, amazing, you know, tinned fish and eels and all that kind of stuff. And it's not even a second thought. Right. It's like surprising when children are into food. Well, I say that
0: we were talking about that recently about Korean food. Like I love Korean food. I live, we live right like on the edge of Korean town, Korean town. Miles and I live in the same building for anybody. Uh, And, um, and they I was thinking like What a blessing it is To be raised With a more complex palate mm-hmm. That like If you grow up And you're a baby Eating like fermented Like kimchi and stuff and, and and you know Just any kind of fermented Like basically The western palate Is sweet and salty You get yeah. sweet You get salty You bounce back and forth Between the, thro- uh, the two And I think there's a, a real argument to be said For like that's part of Like obesity And overeating and stuff Like mm-hmm. like you you don't Satiate your whole palate And until you add those Like three or four Other flavors You get some You get bitter Mm-hmm. You get sour, you get that like fermenty vibe, whatever. If you get all of that in a meal, you're satisfied much sooner.
1: It's like eating miso soup for breakfast. Like you just have a yeah. small cup of miso soup and you're like, I'm good. Because you have the umami, sweet, salty. Plus you know, the hydrated, you're like hydrated. Water's like a lot of
0: volume, so it fills you up. Yeah.
1: And then with like a little side of rice and some green onion, it's like, I wish that I grew up eating that. I had a great, you know, my parents were awesome. I had great breakfast. Right. But like now being an adult who loves miso soup, yeah. it's like, could you imagine just waking? And I'm sure those kids
0: hate it. Yeah. You know, yeah, because totally. this is the thing that their parents make just for all them. The, they wish they had and oh, stuff I'm like that. Oh, so I you know. I think that's true but so and then I but I feel like by if you're raised with more complex things not only that like yeah so you get satiated sooner because you've satisfied your old palate, your brain stops looking for something it's missing. I think uh I think it inherently must make you more intelligent. Like there are there's like some anthropological um folks or whatever who suggest the possibility that like actually being an omnivore is part of why humans brains are bigger than other animals. Mm. And that like omnivores tend to have bigger brains, I think, or be smarter. And partly because like if you're a koala, a koala is a very smart, simple brain, very simple, stupid animal. Mm. It only eats one thing. It eats eucalyptus. That's it. And there's argument that like that body, that brain never had to start calculating other inputs and go like, if you're an omnivore and so anything is on the table, you start, you have to like, Start developing a brain That can identify Different types of plants and This one's dangerous. poisonous This yeah. one's not Learning from your mistakes All that kind of stuff and Starting to put it Two and two together To go well maybe This one has these traits Of this one Maybe this one's more likely To be edible And this one's more likely To be poisonous Like that kind of a thing Is part of why They, they think our brains Got bigger And I feel like If you're a baby Eating like crazy weird stuff From childhood I feel like that in inherently would broaden your horizons or sp- make more neural pathways where, you know, if you, if you can have a broader amount of experiences that inherently feel good to you, like some of that's learned. I mean, when you're a baby, everything is like a psychedelic experience, you know? So like oh, totally. I ma-
1: imagine like being a baby and like I you see, you see, I, I know when I was a kid, I to, like I used to eat lemons and, oh, like, interesting. and like, I love acidic food, but, um, but like I love eating lemons. Mm-hmm. Like imagine having breast milk, and then, like a month later, someone hands you a lemon
0: piece. Yeah,
1: like imagine how like hallucinogenic that experience totally, would have to be. Totally,
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. Man, that's so funny. Yeah, that is the, that is the feeling on uh, sort of when you're in mind expanding spaces. I, that's really funny to say. It is just like being a baby. Mm. It's like you're seeing something brand new for the for the mm. first time. I think that is that is maybe one of the failings of the human brain. I mean, we talk like all about this idea between the difference between myself, my consciousness or whatever, mm. and then my brain, which is sometimes very hard to separate from myself, but definitely affects who I am. And, uh, and I was thinking like, I think to stay sane and exist in reality and say, time moves this direction, I keep track of things. Your body has to start shutting down some options of possibility just to just to move forward mm. like you have to pick a lane and so one of them is like okay time moves this way we got to just do time does that and then I think on a, in more mundane versions of that like your brain can go you decide early on I like these things I don't like sour things I don't mm. like sweet I don't like spicy things mm. and when those moments come later in your life where you do get something new like your palate expands like oh coffee tastes good all of a sudden mm-hmm. or something like that uh i think there is a very weirdly childlike thing where like you you're back to when things were brand new because you've had to lock down the like availability for brand new in your brain just to survive and just to like comprehend a day and so when your brain gets confident enough or smart enough where you have a little space where you can open that door to like things i don't know again mm-hmm. that is a very infancy like experience and I do feel like certain like drugs and stuff like you know a little bit of mushroomy stuff weed to a certain degree can do that can uh, kind of open your baby brain yeah a doorway a little bit yeah
1: I, I think so I mean the other thing that just as you're talking I'm thinking of the ratatouille moment you know like what is that all about where like you're you know you eat something that this is a little different than like a new experience, but where you eat something and it transports you back Mm -hmm. to your grandma's table or something like that. Time travel. Time travel. The time travel thing is that's like, that's the most exciting thing about (sighs) cooking. I think when you get something like that. I agree.
0: I think, I think there's, I think, uh, I really do think time is just something we only perceive in one direction, Mm -hmm. but is all on top of itself. Mm -hmm. And I think some of that's evidenced by like the way our memory works Mm -hmm. and like that there are giant swaths of memory that are just gone, yeah. but there are some very mundane, weird things that stick around from even very young childhood. Mm. And I wonder about things like that, like a sensory experience that's so big or so suffused so perfectly with like, not just the flavor that was good, but the smells and the, and the care and the comfort and the love that was coming from the mm. f- person and whatever it was, I, I almost feel like they're these m- multi-dimensional, like a, like a spike through a stack of paper yeah. and like, that spike through the stack of paper is like you un- is united throughout like all your all time, all your planes of existence. Yeah. And so when I <clears throat> eat something like that moment was so powerful, it resonates out and backwards, like backwards in time and forwards in time such that. I don't know. I, I like you'll you'll eat that. Like, let's just say it's uh, a chicken soup or something like that. And you'll you'll eat the chicken soup and it'll just... B, because it's a resonating harmonic, like yeah. the sine wave of the memory from that, uh, like the ripple line of that mm-hmm. uh, memory perfectly syncs up from back 20 years ago.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing as with music. I mean, there's often times where, you know, I when I was really studying music really intensely, I was... I would listen to five, six, seven full albums a day, like just yeah. being around. Well, you
0: were like you know. a professional grade musician. Like you, you didn't you studied classical guitar at yes. the, for college. Yeah,
1: I did. Um, I mean, I was, I was definitely not the most accomplished person at the school that I went to for four months before I decided not to go to college anymore. But I, you know, I I was there, and I definitely studied music with a lot of intention. Yeah. Um. And but in that way, like. I'll hear a song and it's you're back in that room at that time with that right. weather and those people and the smells and the girl you were in love with and like all of that stuff is is real again and how is that it's like the only things in my life that that have ever moved me in that way are music and food mm-hmm. you know like music I think is something that everyone Everyone experiences, you know, and most people like. I mean, there's very few people I know that don't <clears> like music. Um, but food is something that you have to. That there's more people I'd say that don't like food, like for mental reasons, like mental health reasons, yeah. and like struggle and self control and self, you know, deprecation or flagellation or whatever that they had struggle with eating. But um, and there might not be so much of a emotional resonance with food for the amount of people as mm-hmm. like with music. But those are things that undeniably, like even I have a friend that does not like eating. Like hmm. he eats. No, he doesn't like have any. Not, not any, like an eating disorder No, thing. he's just like, I get that you have to eat to survive. And like, yeah. that's the function of it. Yeah, to me but the ritual my doesn't
0: affect him, the sensory no. experience. But
1: even he would be like, he would have meals and he's like, wow, like I actually like enjoyed that meal. Oh. and that's. That's interesting, but I mean, I think...
0: Well, that's because that that's like any art, I guess. Yeah. You can shift someone's paradigm. You can surprise people and go like, uh, you know, what's, I don't know, what's something like that for me? I guess like painting maybe mm-hmm. for a while, like like still art, I was, I just didn't really care. You know, I thought it was fine. I appreciated it, but it wasn't like something I experienced. And then, I don't know, you see a couple things or you start to, starts to wiggle its way in and you see him and be like, whoa, wait, this one really fucking hit me. Yeah. I, I think the first time I saw Jackson Pollock in person was a little bit like that mm-hmm. in the sense of like, uh, I, I mean, I guess I liked art a little by that point, but you know, you see Jackson Pollock pictures all the time. There's these splatters. You see them like in postcards and printings mm-hmm. and whatever. And it's everyone like to make fun of it. And it's like, Oh, I could just pour a fucking bucket of paint on, a thing and that's art i guess and then i saw one in person and I, like it was overwhelming like i still think about it right now i can think about the emotion it felt like that person was vi- envision. it's just a black spot basically on a on a big canvas and it's all scribbly all these different things but it's this black and it is deep like it is mm-hmm. this black fucking hole that you feel instantly like you're getting sucked into it is like the void mm-hmm. and you can tell that he was seeing that fucking void real bad and like yeah. it's there, you know? And and that's it's there when it's right next to Roy Lichtenstein's where you can look and you can see like pencil marks underneath the dots. You know what I mean? Like where you're like it's just a different thing. And that was a really wonderful experience to go like, oh this thing that's not for me, I don't get it, is like I can't I can't deny this right now.
1: Well that's the cool thing. Like I've been thinking about this a lot lately about fine art in yeah. general. Fine art I mean that across the board. I don't mean that just like fine visual art. I mean mostly what I've been thinking about is is food and mm-hmm. fine dining because it's like as I cook more and decide like what I want to do that will be my real stamp. Like when I open my own restaurant, right. like what is going to be that? What does that mean? What is your food? What is your art? You know, it's like you look at someone like a Grant Achatz or like a or like a Rene Redzepi or you know you look at. Any of those amazing chefs, yeah. and you're just like, okay, you know, you look at a plate of the food and like that's this guy, you know, yeah, and that's it, this guy, that's this yeah. guy, and that's this person's thing. It's like this one, you know, one chef is like incredibly precise, and one chef is a little more whimsical, and one chef is like really this and this and that kind of stuff. And and there's a certain point in time where you, I, I I'm thinking, did these guys decide this, or did it come over them? Mm-hmm. You know, like with Jackson Pollock, like was he? I don't know very much about him so I don't know either you know, I, like, I, I didn't what, know anything Could he draw Like, Okay so I know a lot more About Pablo Picasso But like He was a hyper-realistic artist Right you know, he could, At 15 he was drawing These beautiful hyper-realistic pictures Yeah And all that And then he just like His art deformed Into this unbelievable thing Yeah and It's uh, also yeah. amazing and beautiful And I've right. seen a lot of his art in, in person And it's super impressive And aggressive and beautiful But is it something that like Came over him And one day he was just like i i make this now mm-hmm. or is he like just on, on a well, ride I, I
0: think about Cormac mccarthy like yeah. uh I, I would think Cormac mccarthy is just such a good good writer and he doesn't use uh punctuation really mm-hmm. he uses periods and that's it i think in the road there's like no commas no apostrophes and no capital letters i don't think even and i loved that so fucking much when i read it and um to me, there's something about like, you can tell me Cory McCarthy doesn't know Strunk and White. You know, he doesn't know the fucking elements of style. Yeah, mm-hmm. we know. We know that there's, we understand the, there's these rules yeah. and arguments about Oxford commas and shit like that. But the like brilliance to me in going like, and so you don't fucking need that. Like you, 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 I think it's actually a tragedy of our culture that you have to r- attain the sort of as is the, the standard of the society's version of perfection or expertdom or whatever in order to be taken, to be listened to, mm-hmm. to disregard it, you know, like, like, um, some money, like, you, you know, uh, who's the billionaire, like Warren Buffett. I feel like I saw something like saying like, oh, money's not important after, you know, something like that, obvious things, but everyone, listens to him because he's a billionaire they go oh he's a billionaire and he's saying that but if it doesn't make it any more true than somebody completely impoverished who's actually been hurt by money and the yeah. value of it saying like you know it's not important it's really not important it's about your family and about yeah. that kind of stuff yeah but exactly. that person's like okay well you'd, you'd probably if you had money though it'd be, it'd be it's different it's really and I mean, up, and I don't yeah. mean to be like naive in the sense like we're talking about over money over the, the uh, amount that can like you can eat and you can, yeah. you know, sleep, you know, whatever. But like after basic standard of living, yeah, I just think, so well, going so back to the, it's interesting about
1: like standard of art too, because like, yes, you know, exactly. The Ramones, like those guys could not play the guitar like Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, know? that's a good but, example. But it's like so much fucking soul.
0: You, you know, know, I think, I feel like in music actually, maybe more than any other of the fine arts of like yeah. of art forms that are accepted is the one where the, the like, quote unquote, talent doesn't matter as much to people as like, just what's the fucking truth coming out of the well, end it's product. A, it's
1: how raw it is. And that's the one thing, like when we started back with the, the vagrancy project, which was basically a traveling restaurant run out of apartments that we w- would work on. Together. We would do, we
0: would do uh, t- like 12 course meals out of single bedroom apartments yeah. for 10, 12 people. You do them twice a week. Yeah. Usually with full cocktail pairings too. And that's, if you do heavy, had a had for everyone. fucking 12 courses, that's a, that's a, t- no dishwasher.
1: 144 plates. Crazy. Um, but what we were talking about is like, yeah, like, the rawness. Like punk jazz, like, like punk yeah. chef, like punk jazz, like, you know, there's 22 and a half mm-hmm. when we started doing that. Like, Okay, take anyone that's 22 and a half years old, even wow. if they've been cooking for, for 10 years before that, like, you don't know anything yeah. about, you know, being, you know... Well, you don't really
0: know that much about yourself. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. So how could you know anything about your art, you know? Exactly,
1: it's like, that's that's the thing, and like I this, that was like seven years ago for me, and it's like, I still don't really know what's what's going on with well, any well, of it. Well, but the
0: beauty, I think, though, is, is in the subtlety of, like, like you're saying, when you're raw, though, beautiful art can still come out. It can be so like, much more angular it, it, it and
1: jagged can, yeah. and crazy. And, like, it's like, we, you know, uh, it, it it doesn't have. There's no need for polish at that point. No, it's no. It's just about soul and expression.
0: Yeah, and and obvious. And I think also maybe polish is one of the things that's actually more more possible to teach. And sometimes people can become all polish, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, what are you fucking? Are you, you, you did the, You've done nothing wrong here. All of your choices are safe. This is fine. Thank you. Mm. You know, and like, if you can't, like, you can You gotta sometimes work to get back to some of that angularity. Mm-hmm. You know. But that, I don't know. I think it's important for us to be willing to be humble enough before the universe to say like, anytime we hear something, see something true that's expressed that we don't start looking immediately for reasons to dismiss it because it scares us mm-hmm. or because it's like, you know, just cause it's good and intimidates us or I don't know. Or because the society tells us like somebody should be an expert before they can be right.
1: Well, that's a, to, to jump on piggyback on that, like, so in food, there are like the highest honor that a restaurant can receive is to get three Michelin stars. Right? Yeah. Right. So like that's like this is like kind of a roundabout, but it's it's gonna make a lot of sense at the end of this thought. It's like look at all of those restaurants, research them, look at the food, see what it's like. Like if you really, really, really go into past like the world's fifty fifty best list and all that, and like you look at these you know restaurants in, in, you know, rural Japan, you look at these restaurants in China, look at these restaurants in Europe and all that, that's beyond just the stuff on the list, you'll see that it's not all magazine food. Like some Mm. of it is very humble looking, you know? And there is and that's the thing, coming back to it. It's like it all is very refined and the plateware is nice and the service is unbelievable. But the thing about it is like there's looking at like grading something, there's no way to really codify an experience Mm -hmm. because like for you, your experience at Alinea was like formative. It changed the way you think about food and service and restaurants. It was like I
0: cried a couple times in the meal. I was like, this is as much art as any other, uh, you know, structured means of affecting my emotion and telling a story.
1: Sure. And I completely understand that. And I've had a similar experience at a restaurant at that level. I've also had a similar experience at a hole in the wall Mexican restaurant eating birria on a Sunday yeah. morning, being so fucking tired from working so hard and just having that warm hug of like soup made by someone who's been doing it their entire
0: life. Yeah, fuck it. You know,
1: like you can't, you, that's the same thing with the Ramones and Jimi Hendrix or like Bach and uh, the Smiths. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can be touched by both of them In like, you know, Sebastian Bach, like yeah. technically perfect musician. You know, I'm yeah. sure if you watched him play the organ, it would just be insane. But something that like a, a singer songwriter like Nick Drake, you know, it's like, OK, man, like you're just ripping my heart out. Yeah. Know. He's an amazing guitar player. Nick musician. Drake? Nick Drake.
0: Not Drake, Drake. Not Drake, Drake. No. Drake rips my heart out too. I don't know Nick Drake, I don't, Nick Drake, I don't think. Nick
1: Drake, you've, you love Nick Drake. Cool. He's an Englishman. He is a guitar player. He used to play his guitar in all different crazy tunings. So oh, that's a, cool. So it's really, really cool chord structure and stuff like that. He's a finger stylist, so lots of picked stuff. Um, Richard Thompson played on some of the albums. There's a lot of orchestration on the songs, mm. but he died at a young age from antidepressant overdose. Oh, damn. Back then, they weren't as regulated, so they yeah. don't even know if he like ate the whole bottle or he just take, took like one extra and died.
0: Damn. Damn. So, when was that? 70s. Wow. I also bet, I bet antidepressants then were aggressive. Gnarly. I, mean, I, bet, sure. I bet they were like just drugs. But I bet they're, meaning like they're still very serious drugs. Yeah, absolutely. But they're, I wonder if they were more just like sedatives, more like something narcotic or, you know what I mean? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, do you, do you mind if we talk about that stuff a little bit no, about no, uh, mental health? Uh, like, to so, open
1: up a soda water real yeah, quick. Yeah, go you, for it. Hear it. Um it. All
0: right. Yeah, no, I just, so I wanted to talk a little, this being this mental health podcast, one of the things I was hoping to do when I set out with it was talk to people who are very accomplished and very successful, and I mean, you are the fucking most inspiring person I know in terms of pursuing dreams, working hard at them, Um, in a world where, like, I truly don't think meritocracy exists, and people, you know, um, I think nobody embodies more, like, fucking do your goddamn best anyway for its own intrinsic value and is like rewarded for it than you i i have been on projects that are the hardest thing i've done and i'm like if miles could work as hard as i saw him work for any for vagrancy project for for anything i can fucking buckle down and do these 90 hour weeks you know 80 hour weeks uh but you are so like Many people have your own fucking brain problems. Yeah, and I have bipolar disorder. Bipolar, straight up bipolar. Yeah, bipolar one. And do you take medications for it? I do. Yeah. What do you take? Do you mind if yeah, I? Yeah,
1: no. I take lithium uh, bicarbonate. I take Abilify, and then I take uh, like Ativan. Killer.
0: As well. Do you take that stuff like every day?
1: No, I don't take the Ativan every day. That's only if I have like a really intense That's for anxiety. Anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the the lithium and the Abilify I take every day.
0: And how long have you been doing medication stuff for?
1: I've been on medication. I've been, I've taken a lot of different types of medication. Yeah. Um, since I was 18, so 12
0: years. And you've taken, uh, you take like ever illegal drugs and stuff like that too? I have. Yeah. I've done all of them. You're not doing them now, though. No. Yeah. No. I mean, <laughs> I, I, well, we're in I'm,
1: California, so marijuana is legal. Yeah. So you, uh, don't can, even, you don't smoke much weed, though. I don't though. smoke much weed, no. Yeah. I used to smoke a lot of weed.
0: Yeah. I, I, I mean, these are questions I'm asking that I kind of know. I'm asking for the audience for context, because sure. I think... I know I did it for a long time. I didn't get medication for brain stuff until just this last year, but had no problem self-medicating Yeah, of course, for, forever yeah. because I, I really mean,
1: mixing the two is an awful idea, but I did that for many years. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you got lucky. Did you ever have any like scares or anything? No. Some, it's funny cause we've talked, some of these are real questions. Like I don't think I ever asked that. I don't ever think I knew if you had like an OD problem or anything like that. I no, never but, OD'd. Yeah. Well, that's good. Fuck yeah. Um, so yeah I don't know I was like uh, when you have you gone on periods where you go off them like, and do you notice the difference or yeah, change I mean, them up they're,
1: they're, I mean in the 12 years I've always had a, a prescription but there were sometimes months And I think there's never like a full year where I didn't take medication I like would take it and I wouldn't take it and then you know I was uh, you know I I was in a, a I was married um, and you know for a long, a lot of that, I didn't take care of myself at all uh, with the medication and therapy stuff. I just mm. kind of, it just didn't. I just ignored it, and that was really
0: just doing work and stuff.
1: Just doing work and not taking care of myself, and not taking care of things I should have been taking care of as a person who was relying on another person. Another person relied on. Mm. Um, you know, uh, it really took that ending for me to start taking care of myself. Yeah. And that's like, you know, how you slip into like, oh, but if I, 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 no, now I'm looking, look, now I'm better, better right. you know, and like you, it, you want to say that or it, it took losing a lot to realize how important it was to actually take care of yourself, mm-hmm. you know, like it took losing someone else, mm. um, which is really painful and hard, but it's true.
0: I mean, I think that's a super fucking valuable thing. To mention, I think when people hear word terms like self care, self love, a lot of people like to scoff at it and stuff. Be like, yeah, it sounds selfish, but I don't think they really understand. It's it really is like putting the, your oxygen mask on so you can help somebody else. If it, if you're dying and you can't breathe, you can't help somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. I you mean, can't show up for them.
1: I mean, if, if you if you are not taking care of yourself and you want someone else and then you blame someone for not taking care of themselves. Mm. You're not setting a good example, and yeah. you're not you're not helping anyone.
0: Yeah,
1: you have to. You know, to, my mom would always say, "Take care of number one first. And number mm-hmm. one is you, the person who is in your brain, in your life. And yes, and I would be like, "No," you know. And my mom, you know, she's a mom, so she takes care of her family first. But she she had to take care of herself first, and she grew up like her mom died when she was 28. Mm. Uh, so she didn't have one. She hasn't had one for more than half her life. And like, that's just insane. Um, Dude,
0: that, I wonder, I, we've never talked about that. But, you yeah. know, my mom's mom died when she was 12. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I wonder if there's some, some weird can like if there was some harmonic thing that resonated that made us friends maybe because of like, just because we had a, I think you'd have a similar experience as a, like a mom that loses your mom. And then you're just doing your best without a mom to guide you as you become a mom
1: Yeah I mean she She had children Six years after her mom died She married my dad After her mom died she Yeah She didn't Her mom never met my dad
0: Weird Six years after her mom died too Because my mom had When she was 19 Yeah Surreal Harmonic dude Yeah Wait wow. so Wait keep going Well you were talking about uh, What were you talking about I'm Talking about
1: now? Just taking care of yourself Yeah right right So your mom You said your mom, mom. Would, do, would take care yeah, of yourself Yeah I mean she Said take care of number one And if you don't If you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care. Like you said, you can't take care of someone else. It's an oxygen mask thing. Exactly.
0: So when you, I don't know, I'm pretty new. I mean, six or seven months now on medication. It's been Mm -hmm. really life changing for me. Very small doses of some stuff that um, my experience with it, which was really surprising, was like, I was worried that it would change me. It would change my personality. It would change... uh Well,
1: I actually would like to talk about that.
0: Yeah, that's what I'd like to know. So I'm offering just mine because I'd like to know... Because the other thing I, I feel like I felt with my stuff was um, that it's not a magic bullet, but it did level me out. It was like triage to get me to a space where I could now employ the things I learned in therapy and self-care techniques. I, was, I still, if I don't, if I eat like shit too much, if I don't exercise enough, if I don't work and play balance right and I don't do self-inquiry and blah, 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 a million other fucking things, I don't allow certain thoughts to to go to other thoughts I don't believe my brain all the time if I still if I don't do those things like I'm still fucking crazy even if I am on pills Mm -hmm. but the pills like gave me the little chemical drip imbalance fixes that allowed me to like reach a space of possibility
1: yeah well I I don't know what your diagnosis is actually
0: oh it's just uh depression and adhd Okay.
1: I, have, I, 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 I did know heard. that, but I think for the sake of this, oh, yeah, yeah it's sorry, helpful yeah. for everyone else to know. <laughs> Thank that. you. Um, I don't want to embarrass you. Or make, it was no, a, no, no, a Podcast about mental health. So you can't get embarrassed. Yeah. Um, but, I, 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 but I don't know
0: if I actually didn't ask for a specific diagnosis, yeah. but I take 88 medication. I take a de- antidepressant. The antidepressant also, though, is prescribed for, um, uh, so I was reading just, about it for anxiety and oh. sleeping problems and stuff. And I. Um, for years, I thought I might be... My dad's bipolar two, and I just thought... I was bipolar like,
1: two or bipolar also? Two.
0: Number two. Okay. What's the difference?
1: Uh, I knew once. Yeah. And bipolar one... I, I don't want to like. Yeah, say we're not experts. We'll, 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 we'll put it up on the on the internet. afterwards. Well, maybe.
0: I mean, the whole point of this to me is like we're not fucking experts. We're yeah, not no. doctors. I think everybody's an authority on their own experience. But do, it, as your I understanding know, of yours, know, what my,
1: is it? If you're a bipolar one, you have a, a manic break before the age of eighteen. Got it.
0: My That's head it. when I was fourteen years old. Got it.
1: You're born. It's a chemical imbalance in your brain. Yeah, but there is. There is a distinct difference in the two of them, which I will research. I used to know it when I was like really researching everything. When I was diagnosed, I knew a lot about it. And then in the time between, i focused on other things. I did a lot of drugs and learned about other stuff. So, you know, but um, for self-medication stuff, we'll probably talk about that again later. But with me, like, you know, what I was, I have, because of the chemistry of my brain, like a more extreme spectrum of emotions than a, no, a normal person. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean that like...
0: Quote, unquote, am normal. It so yeah, yeah.
1: not, might not be like someone drops something on the floor and I freak the fuck out every single time because I have bipolar disorder. No. Got it. it means that like when I'm up or pushing towards manic, like I have a lot of energy and I like won't sleep and I'm very creative and I like all that kind of stuff. And that's something that like when, when, so we, after the, the pop-up restaurant, I was a chef of, the first chef job I had in a physical restaurant, I did not take my medication for, like, pretty much that time. Oh, wow. For the, well,
0: for it now, was I, I met, I, mm. yeah.
1: And that was, like, I was working, like, 108 hours a week. Yeah, I did. And, like, Remember. legitimately, I was, like, checking in and out, like, making sure to see how much I was working. Seven days. I think I worked for, like, seven months straight. <sighs> When it first opened,
0: yeah, like no day off. Yeah, legit. no day off.
1: I mean, like I wouldn't work like 14 hours every day, but I was working every single day. Right. And
0: uh that's and, n- by the way, that's not hyperbole. That's not like people say stuff like that. People, no, that's, no, no, people listening bu- that's no bullshit. Like, yeah.
1: like literally seven months straight. I
0: think actually, any any cooks or chefs listening will know that that's definitely not hyperbole. Yeah, <laughs> but for yeah, sure.
1: but um, I love mania.
0: Hell yeah. I know You're, what you mean. You know what
1: I mean? And like I I used to love doing uppers mm-hmm. for, for terms of like drugs. Yeah. Uh, whatever it was when I used to do that stuff because it like fed into that natural mania and also pushes you into mania. Of course. But um, just on the natural brain side stuff of mania, there's just this unbelievable energy like you'll go to bed and you'll sleep for like an hour and a half and you get up and you're like let's fucking go yeah. go to the fish market at 5.30 in the morning fucking cruise around there drive all around town getting stuff get back to the restaurant unlimited energy unlimited yeah.
0: ideas grandiose thinking we're gonna do everything mm-hmm. you know dude that's interesting and that's part of why I thought I was bipolar forever and so who knows but I had the same I would be so moody and then I have these fucking you, you feel like you're high and it's actually from things I've learned yeah. about ADHD I there's they say that um, with ADD stuff, like a lot of people are misdiagnosed as depressives for a long time or mm-hmm. other things. And the, one of the things I was reading about is uh, a lot of people with ADD don't, I've said this on here before, but they don't exhibit outward hyperactivity. They have what they call internal uh, emotional hyperarousal. Mm-hmm. And that's always what I experienced. And I also, ex- spielkis in Yiddish. Spielkis. Yeah. That's like it's the, really the, where
1: your body's like shaking on the inside. Yes.
0: That's the feeling. Yeah. And then, and then just with the things I again I thought I might be because I would read about it and the manic episodes I felt I would have yeah. were fucking awesome like I'd get so much done I'd yeah. be so happy I'd be so excited about life and ah like you know it wasn't always it wasn't always fun and, I mean I also did a lot of I think that's why I rode motorcycles and yeah. all these different Push things because you'd be like ah I feel so fucking good you know I mean yeah. I've learned the way dopamine receptors work for ADD people is maybe part of the reason I did all that too they don't work so you're kind of looking for a, a blast Immulation. But anyway, so mania feels good.
1: Yeah, mania feels good and like you know, when you're depressed, everything shuts down, you know. And like the Completely. I remember being like like If you saw The Phantom Thread when he gets poisoned with I the mushrooms? I haven't seen it. No, I haven't oh, seen you it. You got to see it. It's okay. a good movie. Um but they're like he's in bed for like days at a time, he's he's poisoned. I'm not giving anything away. Don't worry. You you'll see the movie. But like at the end of the mania, I remember had one unbelievable crash that ended in a huge like panic attack and I was living downtown on the 11th floor of a building and I was just in my bed with my wife at the time just like freaking the fuck out Mm. about like everything Just like crying and shaking and screaming and like get away from me I need you like every like all of the this great mm-hmm. like psych ward shit, yeah, was happening. Um, and we can talk about psych wards too because I spent some time sure. in one, um, one time, uh, two times, but once for an extended period of time. But, um, that was awful. And, like, to the thing about to go back to that, you know, the crash after the mania sucked, it's happened to me a few times, it's happened to me a few times when I was with this person, and, you know, I, there's a huge amount of selfishness in not having self-care, like you said. You know, yeah. people think like, oh, you're just self-care and this, and the maca and the fucking this shit, and like, right. I'm this person, you spend all this money on yourself. I'm like, yeah. I spend a lot of money on myself for self-care. Yeah, see a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and I get medication, yeah. I, you know, buy myself nice things and do this stuff. And like, that's pretty much besides my rent and like car stuff, like all of my money goes to self-care. Really? Like if you looked at it, yeah. that's where it goes. And like to get back to it, like I wasn't taking care of myself, so I wanted this person to take care of me, which is completely unfair. Yeah, it's impossible. And it's too much to it's ask anyone impossible. else to be like, just make, why, why aren't you helping me feel better? Right. It's like, it was too much for her. And I understand that now. Yeah. But then I was like, I can't believe you're just going to leave me like this. Right. But I left myself like that. Fuck yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why uh, I didn't understand that. And it took a lot of therapy and like actually fucking taking my medication and seeing the difference. And like, you know, a lot of people with bipolar disorder. Um, there's awesome books by this woman Kay Redford Jameson Mm -hmm. she has bipolar disorder and she's a psychologist I believe or psychiatrist she's a doctor I think she's a psychologist Um, she works at worked at UCLA for a while Um, Touch With Fire is one of her books Um, one of the things that she says uh, in one of her books is like people with bipolar disorder are afraid that if they get medicated and this is a thing in general is like you lose your creative ability. Right. And I have a lot of fear of that. Yeah. Because like when I was heavily medicated, I was, I had no motivation. Right. You know, it's just like, okay, get up and I'm tired. I go to work and this is this. And like, okay, we're going to like put a new dish on and like, all right, like this dish sucks and I'm gonna work on it for way too long. And I know that it sucks, but like maybe I'll make it better. And like, no, it sucks. Like let's not change it. You know, But then when I had the mania, it was like, let's change four dishes tonight. Mm. And like we would do it and it would be a struggle. And like the other thing is, as I grew up and like, you know, got am getting more stabilized in my life with my my mental state and whatnot, realize like the effect of yourself and your you know your mental state on everyone around you. You know, like, last night at the restaurant, like, there was an accident with something and, like, a bunch of food fell on the floor, like, before a big party. And I just, like, watched everyone's reaction to it. Like, me, five years ago, would have just lit that cook up that knocked the food on the floor. Like, it would have been, like, (gasps) everyone turn around and everyone Mm -hmm. be quiet. And it was at 5.45 and we opened at 5.30 and it would have been like everyone would have been nervous and felt like shit and not felt good all night. And I was like, there's a million ways to react, but there's really yeah. only one way: is be like, look, let's just fix it. Uh huh. Let's fix it. Let's go back into it. And like that, like like you say, Jared, like when you when your face is like real crisis or real like yeah. stuff, you get really really calm mm-hmm. and you get really like, all right, we're just gonna. are oh, your your hand is bleeding a lot. Like we're gonna fix it. Yeah. You know, like and if anyone of my cooks like cut themselves or anything. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. I'd never freak out. And that's like, that's like, in my life, I was like, spending most of my life just freaking out about my mental state. Right. You know? Just like, fuck me. Like, why am I sad? Why me? Why do I want to run in front of a car and get hit on Wilshire after a therapy session? You know, like, fuck this. This is stupid. Like, why am I putting myself through this? All, for what reason? You know? It's all about how you react to everything in your life and, Part of the clarity of therapy and medication is teaching you that, mm. you know, giving um, you the space to exactly the space look to at breathe. your
0: feeling and give you a chance to react. Exactly. Dude, that's huge. Like there are several things near that like the thing you described, I mean like, like that, just that sheer, uh, ability to have a very, very evocative moment, a very triggering moment, this huge fuck up in a restaurant. Like that's going to be a big problem. And to have the moment, because the reaction is not unnatural to go, fuck, what the fuck? (laughs) You know, that's not unreasonable in in the sense of like, here's a stimulus and this is a response that a human has. But the wherewithal to feel the emotion, feel the situation, grok and clock and like incorporate the fact that. Your reaction is going to have an effect on people around you. It's going to have an effect on you. It's going to and then their reactions to your reaction is going to affect you and go. So let's not create more conflict. Let's not create more toxicity. Mm -hmm. Let's create a situation that we will all be in our best position to work from the rest of the night is enormous. I mean, that takes people years and years of practice and work and mental balancing and figuring out introspection. Some people never get there. But the ability to do it, and I think it's empowering to know that you can do it. That yeah. somebody, frankly, I think people listening can t- could, should find you, I find you incredibly inspiring. I mean, to, to overcome your brain to the point that you still struggle with it, you don't act like I've it's just fixed, right. to be in dialogue with it, to have it still affect you in ways and then say, I'm going to react differently than the way my brain is telling me to react is huge. I also you did this thing that reminded me of something I witnessed I tell people about all the time about leadership strategies and and basic notions of incentive as like we need incentive to do anything well mm-hmm. like uh if you are yelling and screamy which a lot of kitchens are and yeah. it comes I think comes from like uh the same thing as the hierarchy the f- french kitchen the culture system. and yeah and the military the brigade stuff that it all stems from that that like the incentive is to not get yelled at, like punishment, like, or whatever, like, if, you know, I'll do well and it's not so much about reward or doing my best or something. It's just like, oh man, I just don't want to be miserable. I saw you shift that consciously when you were working when it was, I think it was met Vagrancy Project, maybe. I think it was Alumet, uh, or Vagrancy Project at met. We were doing a residency mm-hmm. and I saw you, I was like a stark week. It was like a difference. I think I mentioned like, hey dude, you're like, approaching though, we talk differently and stuff mm-hmm. and you told me that after working at other restaurants and basically learning the practice of yelling and how it works and taking it all very seriously and we're in crunch time the fucking kitchen's on fire and there's people out there <laughs> let's fucking move it and yelling at people which is the standard thing yeah. you turned to this more like you're call, clear and loud but like calm and there was no berating or anything and I saw one day and you said like you just don't think that it helps people to yell at them or something right. like that. And you were saying that like, it, uh, you know, it seems more effective to talk to people and just like treat everyone with respect and calmly. And like, things aren't a big deal. Cause you know, they're not, we're all going to fucking die. Whatever. It's just dinner. It's just dinner, man. I mean, <laughs> it, it, and well, well, that's a great phrase. We're going to get back. But I, I saw somebody fuck up. I saw somebody, um, mess up like a carrot reduction, I think is what it was. Oh, yeah. They burned it and I saw him bring it over to you and, you tasted it and, uh, instead of I've, I've seen chefs scream at people. I've seen chefs be like, you fucking idiot. Get the fuck back in the, the funniest to this day, the meanest person, the meanest thing I ever saw was the owner of this restaurant to a waiter that I worked at in high school. as a food runner. I've told you this story. And it was, a. they did, uh, one of the things they did was like, fui de Mer was like, uh, chilled plates of like shell-fish. oysters and yeah. shellfish and shit. And, uh, <laughs> I was a food runner and I was bringing the food from the kitchen. I was on the way to the table and I turned around on the way cause I saw they didn't have their fork set up, their special fork set up and you know, it's not good to drop the stuff off without the yeah. thing. And I turned around looking right into the eyes of the owner of the restaurant. who's just this mean fucking guy. He was just the meanest guy. And, uh, and I, he goes, what are you doing? And I was like, why don't you bring them food or something like that? And I was like, Oh, they don't have their setups. And, the waiter who had the table, whose responsibility was for that setup, happened like step right up at the same time, Like probably wondering also why I wasn't bringing the food to the table. Uh-huh. And and instantly, this <laughs> evil fucking owner turns to him and he goes, I've never seen so much anger on someone's face about nothing, you know, about nothing. Mm-hmm. And goes, about like, forks. Go, Yeah, about the fucking, there no the forks. They have, and, he, and he says to him, He goes, What do they eat with their fucking hands? You suck hole. <laughs> like literally just like that. So angry, couldn't figure out a word, suck hole came out. <laughs> And I was like, whoa, it's just dinner. Like, you know, it's just dinner. And so seeing this, you taste this burned sauce and instead of getting mad and just, you know, because it takes a lot. It takes real good carrots that cost money, that cost people time pulling them out of the fucking earth. You use very good shit from real farmers. Yeah. You just like looked sad. Like you looked like you shrugged a little and you kind of waved your hand and disappointed. And you just said, just make it again. And the person reacted like it would have been better if you screamed at them. Like (laughs) they seemed because, again, I think I think being disappointed implies a belief that they can do more. Yeah, Like it creates this space and and it creates in them like, oh, fuck, I'm really not living up. I know I can do better than I. Why? Why am I? To me, it (laughs) starts a whole existential spiral of like. Why do I believe this is all I'm possible of? Why am I holding myself in? Yeah. I'm. Why am I doing this? The spark of divinity within me deserves a better shepherd. I, yeah, I yeah. should do more. Yeah. And they went and it's so much more effective to be kind, to from uh, be from a gentle place. So that The worst possible thing that happens is I'm really disappointed. And it hurts people, you know, not hurts them, but they yeah. feel it more deeply. And because they're being treated as humans that you believe in. And I don't know. I think there's something really profound in that ability to pause, to step back from these gutsy emotions. And, and again, to say, like, the thing my brain is telling me is real isn't real all the time. The thing that's like, this is a big problem. This is fucked up. This is disappointing. Sometimes it's like, ah, eh, it's going to be food. It's going to be waste, which is a bummer. And it's going to be some time. But people are going to eat. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. It's going to be good. That's huge. Especially when you have a brain... That has fucking crazy, like, like chemical imbalances that are telling you, like, shit's fucking real all the time. Yeah. And it's crazy. Anyway, I just want to pause and commend that. Thank you. And tell you I draw inspiration from it and that you should feel real fucking good about being at this point in your life that you can dialogue that much with yourself.
1: Well, it's interesting. I was thinking about this yesterday Cause I see in people that I work with now, a lot of myself sometimes is like, you're just like, why are you like so intensely angry about when things don't go right? Or like, mm-hmm. why you get so f- wild up? Or like, why are you so down on yourself and like just quiet and like demure now? And it's like, and I, I think I was thinking, well, maybe I just, I, I wasn't thinking this, but I th- was having struggling with myself. Like, well, maybe I just don't care as much as I used to. Mm. And I was like, Well, that's absolutely not true. I just have more experience.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know what I mean? I know that if I freak out at somebody, they're going to have this reaction and everyone around them is going to have this reaction like you're saying. Or it's like, if I'm in the shits and I'm getting murdered on the station and it's like, all I need to do is be honest but like, guys, I'm 15 minutes behind on those stakes. Rather than being like, no, I'll get it. I'll I'll catch back up. I'll catch back up. I'll just, I'm not going to say anything but I'll catch back up. It's like, there's an honesty to the failure of the moment. You know?
0: Yes. I think people don't deal well with unknown. They, if, if I don't have a concrete answer for like a bad situation, if I can't see in the dark, then the most terrifying, horrifying thing is there. Mm-hmm. Your brain builds the worst case scenarios yeah. and so you don't deal well with it. I think humans deal way worse with uh, dishonesty and, and, and murkiness uh, than they do with a hard reality. Yeah. And if you just can own up to a failure and describe the monster, describe the problem, say, this is what's going on, then people can go, okay, great. Uh, we can deal with well, this problem. I just need to
1: send them another dish while their steak weights. Yes. Know, it's like, not like, when is it coming? Uh, two minutes. It's been two minutes. Uh, five minutes.
0: Yeah. How, just say 15. Just say 15. And then be like, I'm 20 minutes out. I say, I, 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 I'm sorry. Yes. There's, you know what that makes me think of? You know, there's this paradox, this mathematical paradox, which is, um, uh, it's the it's the shoreline this is just maybe the shoreline mm. paradox which is like if you measure a, uh, how does it work if you measure a shoreline right which uh, from looking way high up and we say we use 50 mile increments we can measure the shoreline of the United States and it's like do do 50 mile 50 mile 50 mile okay it bends this way it curves this way and it kind of ends up being like uh, let's just say I'm it, this isn't the United States but let's say the the shoreline ends up being a thousand miles you have 50 mile increments. But then you zoom in closer Let's say Let's use 25 mile increments You're like Oh well this bay actually That we were just doing A straight line of 50 yeah. It's more like a 25 And a 25 And another 25 And you kind of curve around So suddenly The shoreline is 1500 or, or 2000 miles And basically The smaller an increment gets The longer a thing becomes Right Like literally in In physical reality Like some There's some What's the one of the Nordic states has like a fjords, a million fjords. It might be Iceland, I don't know. It is has the long look like one of the longest, even though it's a small country, one of the longest shorelines in the world, because it goes in all these tiny little yeah. divots and curves. And uh and that basically that's based on this mathematical paradox, which is like the smaller basically movement should be impossible mathematically. Like the fact that I can go one foot, because if you go mathematically You know, if you divide by two and add it together, that should always equal the whole. But if you keep having like a distance, theoretically, you never reach an end. Like you'll keep just making infinitely smaller. Uh And I think that's so fucking mind blowing to think like it's a weird paradoxical bug in like the computer system of reality that like mathematically distance doesn't work out. Like you shouldn't be able to get anywhere, Mm -hmm. but we just do. And the same thing is then true, though, emotionally, like the smaller an increment of honesty or reality or whatever that you deal in, the more impossible it is to ever reach a place. Yeah. And literally, in this case, with timing, it's like, just tell me 15 minutes because like eight or or seven and a half, two minute increments is not is way more than one increment of 15. Yeah. Even though it's exactly the same.
1: Well, interesting about emotion and honesty and all of that. It's like when you're young, you're young, you're a. I don't know I don't want to generalize for everyone because there's people who are far more involved than I am but when I was younger it's like hard not that I was ever by any means a liar but it's hard to be truly honest I
0: agree I agree with it's you it's like
1: someone's like well what do you think about this it's horrible mm-hmm. you know what I mean like like whatever it is like what do you like my dress it's like it's I like the green one better like mm-hmm. because you're worried about there's two parts to that. Like, there's one the reaction of the person who might really like well, there's, the dress. I, there's but, thing, the, but then there's one second. Yeah, no. But then there's also like the way, the, like you said, the tone, the way you talk and your honesty combine change yes. the way you actually say something. It's like if someone says, "What well, do you like? Do you like my new dress? I love my new dress. do you think about my new dress?" You're like, you know, like you're like, ah, it's it's great." And then like, they're like, oh, should I wear my new dress? And I'm like, you know, maybe you should wear the green. Well, what about my new dress? I thought you liked it. Mm-hmm. So you just said, I really don't like it. Well, why didn't you tell me that? Yeah. But you were so happy about it. It's like, yeah, but I could have returned it. And now it's past the return date and you don't like it and we're together. So why yeah. didn't you just tell me that? And yeah. then
0: what else? You, what else are you not telling me yeah. that you don't like? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think there's, that's a two way thing. One, well, of course, one yeah. is like, I, there's this phrase, uh, you you'll hear it a lot here honesty without compassion is aggression and that there is such a thing some people some people like to go what i'm just being honest i'm honest i'm being honest and that's the same thing as being a grammar nazi like saying like i'm an expert you're breaking the rules of grammar so i'm not even going to read your sentence that's full of essential divine truth you know that like corvin McCarthy. McCarthy, exactly like who he's good enough that he can say oh fuck you you know mm-hmm. but like the same thing than saying like oh well this uh this isn't a fancy restaurant so I can't even accept this bowl of soup as like this isn't nice food it's mm-hmm. like might be the nicest the best thing you've ever eaten um but like that thing uh uh what, how did that come out? Oh, the honesty expert aggression. we get in the way honesty without compassion is aggression that like yes honesty so so you're taking the idea of hon- I'm just being honest you're taking the idea of honesty saying a thing that is true for you and your perception and then saying like. No, you're just being an asshole. You you are allowed to omit something. Some things don't need to be said out loud or felt or expressed because they they serve no function but to harm somebody, and that that is aggression. An honest an honest answer that has no uh, that has no concern or empathy with where your other person is at.
1: Right. I guess I just have I uh, just think about a lot of this now, just where I am in my life. You know, I think a lot about just direct communication yeah, and how easy and we can talk about therapy even at this point. It might be a good time to talk about being in therapy. It's like when I was younger, I was very cagey in therapy, which is like one, if anyone here is thinking that's listening, um, I don't want to like mandate or like get on my soapbox, but I will for this because yeah. I've been doing it for so long. So like if anyone here is thinking about going to therapy, do it first off. I think yeah. It's amazing, of course. Everybody, literally everybody, anybody. should be so in just therapy. do it. Yes, and there are places that will do it on a sliding scale. If you don't make a lot of money, just look for them. You'll find them. They're great.
0: I would also argue potentially if you find you hate it or you're super uncomfortable, like trying change to talk myself. Well, f- sure. Okay, I'll say fine. I'll say this. I was gonna say keep going, go keep more. Going. Go. But but that's then what also, I was gonna say. Don't be afraid to yeah. change therapists. My for sure. my
1: my point that about it is like. I you know I had like a drug problem when I was younger and I didn't talk about it in therapy and like I could have probably made it less of a problem you know in my life if if, just if I just it, talked about it honestly or, you yeah. know, and was honest about it and um, I have things now that I don't I I don't I, I was like embarrassed to talk about my problems with this person that was literally their job was to help me with it right but that comes from maturity and it comes from like comfort in. Wanting to help yourself
0: Well that is that is really fucking See so what I think is This becomes the line we must walk Again between not victim blaming Including yourself yeah. and Creating space for yourself to experience Whatever you're feeling uh, shamelessly But also self responsibility And in the being honest with people And being able to tell them hard things And being clear about the communication I do think individually It is on us to make ourselves People who don't hurt others for telling us the truth, even if we don't like it. Yes. Like it it is on us because we have experience and it's true it's true and it's real. There are people who make it very hard to tell them the truth. And I think of the Shell Silverstein thing, if you hate to do the dishes and you drop one on the floor, maybe you won't have to do the dishes anymore. If somebody over and over shows me me telling them the truth and being honest with them is something they react very fucking poorly to, eh, I'll stop. Not not necessarily telling them the truth, but communicating with them, you know? I don't think that... There's no excuse, really, to just start like, well, they always react bad, so now I just lie, <laughs> you know? But yeah. you do have to... You will maybe stop communicating that much. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is something I'm afraid of people doing with me. So I try to do my best to not create a toxic response for somebody telling me something I don't like, you know? Right. But also fuck man. also seeing that I being able to have my own, huh, my, my sense of truth and reality mm. that I have to ultimately stake my claim on. So if I do hear a truth that doesn't, that I'm like, someone's telling me something they don't like about me, that I am able to just go like, well, is that true? Are you telling me the truth? They're telling me the truth by going like, I don't think that's true. Yeah. You know, that. but, but it has to be open and you mm-hmm. have to have the ability to, say, do I think that's true? I think that is true. I don't like hearing about myself, but I am kind of a piece of shit in that way. And I'm yeah. going to try to be more considerate.
1: Yeah. No, I completely understand
0: that. But I um, mean, cause that's the thing you're talking about, about like telling, telling somebody, Oh, I hate that dress and getting that thing earlier in your life. Mm. That becomes the nuance thing of growing up, I guess, of feeling like in that dialogue of telling people the truth, getting better and better at sensing, At A, knowing how to tell people true things that aren't going to feel good in the most effective way, not even gentlest, but kindest ways that truly have a care for the person in mind, you know, and knowing how to walk that line of telling the truth of like being like, I I don't want to tell the truth in the way that makes the situation worse, but I can't tell a lie in any way because that's just a bad thing to do.
1: Sure. No, I understand that. There's I mean, layers to this shit. There's layers to this shit. But it's also like you can't, if you are in therapy and you are in, investigating things, it's it's interesting because in my life, I've had four different therapists. Oh, oh five, six. Six. Wow. Two, two, two couple therapists two. and four individual
0: therapists. Wow. Yeah.
1: Um, so I've seen all different types, and like the therapist that I which see,
0: also is very important. I think I want to point out because you're not just taking a pill from a psychiatrist and never checking back in. You're doing work.
1: No, I have therapy
0: session at least once a week. Yeah, and then I see my
1: psychiatrist when talk to him every week. Yeah, and then I see him on a schedule. I,
0: I mean, I would. My personal experience has been that I'm glad I tried for so long. Everything I could, nutritional, mental practices, physical practices, and talk therapy before finally being like, let me try. I do wish I'd gotten medication earlier in my life now and been more open to that possibility sooner. Again, starting conservative things. No pills going to fix your fucking problem. But I think it's important to go through an experience of let's look inside. Let's use the tools that I have with my brain and my hands and my like introspection and a, a professional who knows how to listen, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And then if you do start medication at any point, not to think that that's a magic pill that like, it's not a magic pill for me. Still it's, you. it's
1: interesting because when I started my medication, the whole way that I started being on medication was because I was hospitalized. I was, I went to uh psych ward. Yeah. Um, How old are you? Uh, 18. Damn. So I was at college at was, the time, was
0: it like uh, what's it called fifty-one fifty years? Yeah, yeah. fifty-one fifty.
1: Uh, I was at college. I wrote a letter to one of my professors. I wrote him an email, telling him how I felt. He sent that to the mental health. How did
0: you? Will you describe what the context was or how you felt? Yeah, sure. Because I think there might be people in bad places, and and maybe are even listening and trying to figure out maybe they have friends who are in a who would be the you in that situation and because one of the things you said I think I wanted to make space for too was like as someone who has put people in hard positions i think it's important for them to know um like you were saying like we can't expect other people to to fix our to complete us, that it's on us to take care of ourselves first and do our best to take responsibility. And and no human being will be enough to fix you, right? Uh, if you are not working and on that's yourself, something,
1: that's something that like I can't apologize enough for putting on that person.
0: Yeah, right. But I think it's important for some people to hear because it's so easy when we love people to stay too long to go like, well, I need to because they need me to. And if I don't, then they'll, you know, but that and that makes me a bad. I'm abandoning them. I'm abandoning them. I had that with my dad. I had that with I had that a lot throughout my life. But speaking as somebody who has fucking pushed every button to guilt somebody into you're going to abandoning me kind of thing. Man, do I regret that stuff? I'm going to pay for that. You know, in my in my heart and trying my best to fix that, I think that's going to be part of my life's work. But like, if you are in a situation with a friend who is, again, not as professionals, but as just going through and putting people, humans. you got to know sometimes the most loving thing you can do is really to say like, you got to do some work on yourself and you're trying to put this on me right now. And that's not a loving thing to do. Right. You know? So I was... Uh so you I mean, wrote a letter. You wrote with, a letter. i like,
1: suicidality a lot in my life. Yeah, and it was uh, recently there was some, and you know that sucked. But um,
0: but you're here. I'm here. You're yeah. beating that shit. Yeah, of course. Beating oh, that absolutely. dumbass brain. I, I, that helps me sometimes. I gotta say, my brain <laughs> just tries to kill me sometimes.
1: <laughs> oh, it, yeah, absolutely.
0: I literally have to say that to myself. I wake up some mornings and I'm I know and I'm certain way, and I say out loud. I'm go well. Hey, that's not real. That's just your brain trying to kill you.
1: Yeah, I get that. My brain was trying to kill me at that time. Um, and I just said, you know, it's, I feel this incredible darkness and nothing is really worth it. I don't feel inspired. There's no reason to be alive, essentially. Yep. Like, what is the point? Like, the only reason to stay alive is because guilt. Because I don't want my mom to cry over my casket, basically. Like, that's why I'm still fucking alive. Well, that's a stupid reason you know like that's the whole talk going on in your head that's what i like wrote to the guy yeah oh okay great uh, wow but basically like i don't exactly yeah, of course. it was very long but this is but yes. this, this was a talk in my head and this was what was expressed and that was sent to the um like the mental health part of the college and i was uh somewhere and like these two officers showed up and they're like oh we need to take you somewhere not police officers like Safety patrol officers. You got like, to go to him. We got to pack a bag. We got to take you. So, you to were at college? Is it, yeah. yeah. We got to take you to the hospital because of what you said to your teacher. So, I packed a bag. I brought some books and then I went in the car and they brought me to the like community hospital basically. They did the entrance, the intake exam. I talked to this doctor and then they put me in, they took all my stuff, left me with my books, took all my pens. Because you can't have sharp objects It left mm. me with a marker And uh, And uh, I was in a psych ward On a 5150 hold Which if anyone doesn't know what that is It's a 72 hour hold You cannot be released If you are invol. If you There's two If you're involuntarily uh, Committed Committed Which I was involuntarily committed yep. Because I did not Ask to do it If you voluntarily commit in California You can leave whenever you want Oh Okay um, I still think about doing it again sometimes, really voluntarily. I have even now, word. yeah. Just a lot of times, it's for reasons that are not the best. Just like to get a, to escape, take a fucking breather, to, to take a breather. <laughs> I go to a psych ward to take a breather. Pretty much, guys. That's me. That's how you get a James Beard nomination before you're thirty, baby. <laughs> <laughs> take a breather in a psych ward. No, uh, but anyway, I was in there, and then so they're basically just trying to keep everyone asleep and quiet. And so they gave me some Medicaid. I had never taken medication before. This. Yeah. They gave me a bunch of we medications. So or I are doing drugs, all, at all kinds of drugs,
0: all kinds of drugs,
1: not all. Not, I had done none of the hard, none of the like powders and pills nope. before, yeah. before that, but smoking weed, smoke weed drinking m- mushrooms, no drinking, mushroom, no drinking. I didn't drink until I was like 22.
0: Copy that. I don't um, think I really drank. Yeah. Well, I did actually, I lied, but, um, Yeah, we'll get that later. Um, But that's, I just, context, because you're 18, so you're already like finding self medication. I smoked
1: pot, I started smoking pot when I was 15. Got it. Um, But I was, I had stopped smoking pot when I went to school. Okay. So I hadn't smoked pot, did anything for. So
0: this is like raw right now. You're raw when you get. Well, there's probably some
1: come down because I was self medicating so hardcore that summer before, smoking all that weed with my buddies and just like having conversations like this, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then that was all gone, stripped away across the country. I grew up in New York, and this mm-hmm. is in California. and um, School in California. Yeah, school yeah. in California. I grew up in New York. And uh, so they gave me all kinds of medications. I had horrible reactions to them. And I just was like freaking out one day, and I got up, and there's a red line you can't cross mm-hmm. in front of the nurse's station. And I was standing on the edge of the red. I'm like, can I please get out of here? Can I please leave? I would like to leave. I would like to get out of here. I'd like to go. This is like a day in? This is the third day. Third day. So I was almost out Yeah And they're like uh, Excuse me sir You need to like sit down uh, Please go sit. I was like Oh so then this is this And that And like there's all this And like what if I start Pulling my hair out What if I start eating it and what if I like am a trick Which is where you pull your hair out And eat it It's a mental <sighs> condition And they're like Excuse me sir You really need to like Sit down Or we're gonna have Whoa. to j-. So then They call on the Fucking police squad people Pull me in Pull me into one of the Little isol- isolation rooms Give me like A full syringe of Ativan <sighs> Like, shot in the arm. I'm strapped down at this point. And they put me on a 5250, which is a 14 day hold involuntary. 14 days? 14 days. So, at that point, I said, I need to make a phone call. I called my parents. I told them where I was. They flew out the next day. And it's $10,000 to get someone out of the hospital. They didn't oh pay it. I'll tell you what happened. $10,000 to like buy, to bond someone out of a mental hospital. Basically. Or this one. This one was kind of a shitty one I found out later. Mm. So it might have been like some sled hand stuff on their part. Damn. But she's like, I have assets. I'll sell whatever we need. My mom. She's like, whatever. He just can't be in here anymore. Is it bad in there? It's horrible. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, it was, really it, was crazy a dre- it was a drags. It was like we're like like homeless and like yeah. meth addicts coming down. But like- that's
0: what's crazy to me is like I mean my dad uh, spent some like you know some nights in like yeah. county jail or something like that. Mm-hmm. When I was, and I remember that really, I think he ended up in some kind of thing, psyche ward thing too at some point. And I just remember him saying like he never wants to fucking go back there. And it did you know change him a little bit for like a little bit for the better. Yeah, because it's crazy to think like they put you there to help you not with a bad brain space. And then like by the third day, you're fucking,
1: I mean, there's like a 16 year old girl with like a fucking thing all around like, her really, wrist. Yeah. There was a, there's a meth, meth heads coming down, like going through yeah. withdrawal in the bed. next to you, screaming all night. Yeah. Just screaming, cha- like strapped down, just screaming to Jesus. It's hard.
0: Um, literally pulling your hair out and eating it by the third day. No, th- I said what, what if it, I though? did that. You know what I mean? But like yeah. that that's the thought that yeah. like it really is not a healing space. Yeah.
1: So then a family friend uh who I ended up living with when I first moved out to LA called his friend his friend whose son whose nephew was a psychiatrist and mm-hmm. he wrote me a release form and I got out. And Damn. I went immediately from the hospital to his office and had my first session and I was prescribed um the, the med- first medication I took, which was, which was Zoloft.
0: And what happened when you started taking medication to change things I,
1: for you? I was actually prescribed Zoloft and Lamictal for depression and, and bipolar disorder. And, uh, I'm, I mean, I just started doing drugs, <laughs> like hard drugs and really? like, not hard drugs, but like so, so psychedelic drugs and yeah. taking my medication and doing them. Damn. And I, I took like acid and it didn't work. Mm. Because of the medication I was on, which was really weird. That
0: is really weird.
1: Um, and uh, I was just smoking tons of weed, doing lots of mushrooms. I, mean, I met you a little shortly after that. Year after that, you were home. still
0: raging. Those are, the, those, are those I was,
1: were, I, really, I started raging harder after. You started
0: night. raging harder after when you got back to cooking for the first time. I think. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, keep going, sorry. So no,
1: so then I self-medicated a lot and medicated with the... I was diligent in the beginning about my medication. And then Did it, it was, help
0: you when you started yeah, this stuff? definitely.
1: I mean, the therapy and just the, the like... I always knew there was something wrong with me. Mm. I always knew that I had... I always felt like I had bipolar disorder. And, like, the validation of a
0: diagnosis was a lot for me. Interesting. Because I avoided a diagnosis for so long. I didn't I, want... Yeah. You know? I understand that. I understand also why it would be comforting and like, cause there's parts of me that do feel like, yeah, it's helpful to have a yeah. a name for it. But I was also like, I didn't want to be, you know, it's, I, even in our culture, we're like, everyone's like mental health, take the stigma out of it. Oh yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's very accepting outward. I think it's still hard for people to turn it inward and go yeah. like, well, wow, maybe me, I think I was sure. scared about it for forms and stuff. Like, I was like, Oh, now am I always going to be somebody who's now I'm this thing, you know? I can't
1: buy a a gun. Really? Oh, I can now, but I'm not going to. But if you have a 5150 on your your record, you can't buy a gun for 10 years. Wow. That's interesting. So. I
0: wonder if that works. (laughs) The system. No. (laughs) Probably not.
1: But, um, so anyway, I left school after four months in total. Before I left, I took a lot of drugs and I had a manic episode and ended up in the hospital again after breaking my guitar. Damn. Um. And ended up in a mental hospital again. And uh, the school basically was like, if you leave, we'll drop all the charges. Um, So I did. Um, Anyway. Wow. Uh, That's how you ended up leaving? Well, I mean,
0: leaving school, like. Music?
1: Yeah. I had a guitar. I smashed it in the bathroom against the wall because I was like on ecstasy, mushrooms, hadn't slept, wasn't taking my medication, total manic break, hallucin, like full on hallucination. Like. Losing my shit, like I fell for this Wait, girl. You year, see like, hallucination? all kinds of stuff, like oh. tr- person growing look like a tree, and like ghosts in the windows of the buildings, and wow, you know, like lights and leopards and all kinds of stuff.
0: Do you remember those things? Like not like they were real, but are they memories that like you can still see and yeah. stuff? That's really interesting to yeah. me.
1: I mean, if you have a real manic break, like non drug induced, you can have hallucinations. Wow, for sure. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of. I had a lot of auditory hallucinations when I was younger.
0: Really? Yeah. How did they manifest?
1: My name being called, people talking, people saying, "Hey, do this," and like stuff really? like that. Yeah. Um,
0: do you still get those? No. Oh, interesting.
1: Um, then when I left school, I came back home, and I went to a new therapist a psychiatrist who I did not appreciate at all. Um, but one of the tests was i had a test done by a psychologist who was great um was like a full mental health like i don't know what it's called it's a psychological examination Mm. essentially where you do the rorschach test and you do all these tests yeah to see like what's up with you take like a test on a computer like do you feel animosity towards your father do you feel this Mm. way just someone talking to you this kind of stuff like all those kinds of things and then there's like a uh spatial relations tests that you take and, and and a linguistic test that you take and an IQ test and all that kind of stuff. I did all that and uh you know they tell you what your IQ is and
0: like all that stuff and like what you You did when you were a kid? No, oh, when I was 18. When 18? Oh, yeah. what did they what, did you find out cool stuff?
1: I found out that I have a high IQ. Okay. Yeah.
0: Do you remember your number? Do you want to say it?
1: I don't. Okay. Oh. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, yeah, All I remember is that it was 25 points lower than what it would be if I wasn't depressed.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I get that. I do feel that makes sense. Depression makes you feel dumber, huh? Yeah, it
1: makes you feel real dumb. That's really funny. But, uh, it's
0: weird because it's like your brain just telling you you're dumb. Yeah. Which I feel like you can take out into the wider world, when, which again is that thing about disappointment versus meanness. It's like, right. it's saying like, if somebody's telling you you're dumb, you're going to be dumb. Some people know, some people like love the defiance. They love going like, I'll show you how fucking that dumb I am. Yeah. But I think that's honestly, I think it's a much smaller number of people than we think it is. Yeah. And that sort of sink or swim bullshit is like no good, I think, for getting the most out of humanity. Mm-hmm. Anyway.
1: And then I uh, sort of saw this new therapist and he changed on medication, which was just stupid. Oh. He put me on like Prozac, which was awful. Hmm. Because.
0: Gotta be careful with those SSRIs and stuff, huh?
1: I can't take SSRIs; it would be
0: insane. That's what Prozac is, right? Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: I took another SSRI, and it made me super crazy. Yeah. It this is death. why
0: you. I mean, this is so crazy, man. This is this is why I avoided it for years. And I'm, and I think you know it's important to take it slow, be careful, be monitored, be yeah. with somebody who's good, because yeah. there are bad fucking doctors out there. This guy was not good. I think my dad has a real bad doctor, or I did. I don't know. My dad's on tons of stuff, and it still freaks me out. I try not to think about it too much because it's mm-hmm. like. That stuff's gonna eat his body alive. I mean, huge doses of uppers and downers and mood stabilizers every day, and so yeah. I think you still have to be careful. Yeah. I feel like I generally have a kind of a, a sort of positive view of medication these days because mm-hmm. I'm like I think I judged it for so long, right? But I want to make really clear every time we're on here that I'm tempering that with like it still takes tons of internal work. You're not fucking fixed. You can overdo it. It can be wrong for you. Like there are tons of things of people taking a new antidepressant and then their depression suddenly becomes like a violent depression.
1: That's what happened to me with the S, the, the, the Prozac. It was like it was supposed to give me energy because I was tired from the lithium. Mm. And it made me like really shaky and crazy and like all these racing thoughts. And I couldn't think and I couldn't Oof. sleep. And I was like, well, what if I'm like a fucking pedophile? I'm like, what are they like? What, like, what, what about this? And like, what about like all wow. this like, really like. Fucked up stuff like, well, and then like, thoughts oh, you hadn't ever like, no, had before in no, your life. No, no, never. Yeah, I, I'm definitely like, don't have those thoughts now. And I like, it's embarrassing to even think to say that I, I no, had I appreciate that. Because you sharing It's like, it. an awful thing. Because it's be. vulnerable. That's scary yeah. stuff. And it's just like, well, what if that happens? And then I was like, what if I was like raped when I was a kid and I just don't remember it? And like, then it's all going to come back again. And like, this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, no. I know what you mean. I know I know these kind of strange, because I feel like when you, if you have high IQ, if you think a lot, you're introspective, you're creatively minded already, blah, mm-hmm. blah. I feel like the identity of self is is really shaky. Like, and I think you were an actor too. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a reason certain people are attracted to acting and it has to do with... Uh, You know, it can be dangerous a little bit, I think, in a spiritual sense, like a voodoo kind of thing, but also like just in a cultivated sociopathy where you start going like, I mean, I could be anyone. Everybody's just a collection of behaviors and thoughts. That's all they are. And then what they do with those thoughts. And I think if you have a brain that's bad to you and creative and powerful and dark and starts wanting to hurt you, I think it's really easy to just start going like. And if you have people in your life maybe who are mad at you or say things, you start of go like, well, maybe I am. Maybe I could be those things. Maybe I'm could. Maybe i worse than those things. And mm-hmm. you can invent them and they start to feel like r- real. It's the thought of like the difference between me being a murderer or not is like a, a, a foot and a half of where the knife goes with my hand right. when I'm cooking or whatever, yeah. you know? And those thoughts are so scary to, to know that you're like, the, this threshold. I know. I feel like it's like sometimes thoughts like that are like the feeling you get when you stand on a, on top of a cliff or somewhere very high. And there's something about the great depth, the void in front of you that feels magnetic. That feels like I should just jump into that. Yeah. I should just jump down that big fucking cliff. You know, it's weird. Like you feel a pull towards that darkness, darkness, Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that so d- how did you switch off of that or get to where you are now? It. I told you just I was stopped. feeling I did I was like I'm not taking this shit anymore that's good that's good self policing
1: well, I felt so insane I yeah. didn't want to feel that way and that's the thing is like well, it's scary stuff yeah, I mean they really the medicine you have to be
0: monitored you can't just definitely go for it I mean, okay, so how old are you when that's happening uh eighteen and a half because what I want what I'm curious now I mean I guess you know, segueing or whatever, because the person I know that you are, I, I mean, I know all that. I know your darkness. We've talked and stuff like that. But, and who you are in the world is like, you make the highest like level. Like, we're talking like 1% of the universe. You know, you're like the 0.1%, let's be real, of food. Like, Thank even you. if we're, even if, you know what I mean? Like, that's not a blowing smoke thing. That's a like that's like when I, I do jiu-jitsu, right? I do. Yeah. If you know how to fight a little, if you know how to box a little bit, you can beat up 90% of people just right out the gate. Sure. And then if you're but that the last 9%, it's like very incremental, you know? Uh-huh. like or uh, exponential and that final 0.1%, like the difference between the 0.1% like of the best fighters in the world and then like 99.8 is also, just you're just in another universe. I, I feel like that's kind of what it feels like. So I feel like it's not that crazy to say, like, sure, they don't do Michelin stars in this country, but just being nominated for James Beard Award, I think, is a, is a really nice pedigree. And uh, more important than that, I would say, is just, like, looking at the food you've made and the reactions people have to it over and over again and what you make. So how do you go from taking this brain as a young person, this and, and you are... Uh, I jokingly call it frustrating, a frustratingly genius person where it's like you were in brilliant films right when you were a child, you know? You were like, ah, maybe I'll try a guitar, become a classical guitar, like a very, very high-level classical guitarist. So when I met you, you had long fingernails or finger-picking and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then go like, ah, you know what? I th- food. Food is what resonates with me. I want to go back to food. And now are like, I mean, 30 under 30. Fuck, I mean, it's crazy. So wh- how... I want. I guess the question I'm asking is why food, and how do you go from suicidal ideation to making beautiful meals that bring people fulfillment and joy consistently?
1: Well, start with the first question and why food. Well, I always love eating. That's always awesome. Uh, I love eating food um, and I love love cooking. I mean, I always cooked growing up, but I mean, the reason why I decided on cooking as a career is because there's a daily development. There's a daily practice to it. Got it. You know what I mean? There's a daily like you walk into the kitchen and you clean your station down and you lay out your, your cutting board and your knife there's a ritual to it. Your mise, your mise en place. Your, your mise en place, yeah. And you get your containers and you get your prep list and you look through everything and you make sure everything, the orders come in and they are right. And all of that's like slow beginning to mm. the morning and then you like look around yourself and you start peeling, you know, artichokes or whatever it is that you're going to be doing. And there's a daily practice and a regimen and a discipline to it. Mm. You know, acting, I love acting, but it's so sporadic. Yeah, like, You have a job and it's like awesome and you meet these people and it's great and like, you have this relationship and like, you fuck a hot girl and like it's amazing mm-hmm. and, then like, and then you never see them again and then you hate yourself because you don't work for a while and then it's like <laughs> what happened to my life? Yeah. Um, and yeah. then like, with music you're alone in a room and then you might perform and you are such an introvert weirdo anyway because you've decided to play a classical instrument yeah. that is a single solo performer instrument that if anyone compliments you, you just feel like you're are insane, and you don't want to talk to anyone anyway. <laughs> yeah. So that wasn't something that I enjoyed as much, even though I loved how disciplined you have to be. But at the end of it, like cooking, it had a daily a daily reward, which is the, the plate that you put out. Mm. You know, yeah. It's like there's a there's a daily finished product. There's a there's a moment by moment finished product. There's an in, immediate improvement when you fire that second fish, you can cook it better than the one you did before. Mm-hmm. Better than the one that's cooking already. You can sear better. You yeah. know, you can cut your scallions better. You know, you can do anything better. Every single time you do anything, there's an immediate chance to do it better right
0: afterwards. That's amazing. Yeah. That makes you know? so much sense.
1: So it's like, I cut one scallion, like, circle out of a scallion, like, I can cut a thinner one next, and a more precise, less crushed one. Mm. You know? And I, as a butcher these fish, like, I have 30 over there, like, How fast can I do it? How clean? How, you know, all of those, all this. And also cooking at a high level has so much neuroticism in it that it works very well for my brain. Uh. The cleaning and the time and the, you know, like the mise en place and the direction and the knolling and putting everything in squares and perfect and wiping and cleaning and cutting and all of that. Mm -hmm. Like that's how my brain works. Yeah. So that kind of thing, sharpening your knife and having it really sharp and even and, you know, like putting things away nicely and lined up and
0: yeah, all those. I mean, you, that, you, you, know. uh, one thing I think is a lot of chefs, you know, you, all chefs, all kitchens, you got to store stuff in deli cups Yeah, with like, usually it's it's like blue painter's tape and a, a sharpie marker. You write, label things with mm. a date. Uh, that's the legal thing actually too, cause you need yeah, to have anything dated. But, um, you have, like, a rule in your kitchen. You you leave scissors next to the tape, and then, yeah. you're like, everyone has to cut the edges of the scissors. You can't angle. tear the tape yeah, it's off.
1: It's got to be a clean 90-degree angle.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I'm laughing, but that makes so much sense now. <laughs> yeah. But it, and it's reflected in, in your... It's interesting, because that, to me, is reflected in your food, for sure, but also in what you described about how you react to this problem. Mm. Like, this, there is no... There's no... Uh, there's no unconscious, un, like, thoughtless... You know that It's, it's all that, about intention Yeah your reaction can, Yes Yeah contains to The food structure would, and intention That's what I
1: love about cooking too and Cooking in a creative high level Everything has to be intentional There's no like Oh yeah let's just uh, Put some uh, Juniper in that dish Cause yeah. uh, I like juniper Yeah It's like what's this function Why is it
0: in there Do you ever have a thought though Where you're like I think I should put juniper in this dish, and you can't figure out why, oh, but course. it keeps saying like, i oh, put juniper." A, that's the
1: creative and, side of your brain, but I yeah. mean, there's no arbitrary things.
0: But then, that's an interesting thing when that happens, right? Like, does that does that because then you're, I feel like there's like this those insistent thoughts that don't seem to make sense have their own like you. If you start looking at them too close, you start to figure out why.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can flavor bounce. You can write it all down, and it can work out. Flavor bouncing is basically like if you take like one ingredient, like a white bean, yeah, like a navy bean. Navy bean tastes good with maple syrup. Yep. Yes. Navy bean tastes good with bacon. Bacon tastes good with maple syrup. They all work together. Right. All of those things taste good with green onions. You know, those that could yep. be a dish that works. Maple, bacon, beans, green onions. Yes. You know?
0: That's so interesting. Yeah. I love that. That's, that practice is like useful, I think, in a lot of creative Absolutely. things. That's that. Uh, okay. So that's fucking interesting because hearing that and people hearing that, you might think like, we all see molecular gastronomy and you see it on plates and you're like, oh, but I don't want to fucking eat it. It doesn't, I want a burrito or something like that. No, but your burritos. food maintains this like punch in the heart flavor, like flavor bombs, fucking flavor bombs. Guy Fieri, <laughs> Guy Fieri fucking flavor town shit. So it's interesting to me because it seems reflected if I may, I'm, I'm always fine picking up metaphors without meaning to or trying to draw allegories, but, but your what you describe about your brain and like the feelings it tells you and the realities it gives you the kind of to- the, the 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 storm that's in there internally and then your conversation with that and structuring it out didn't result just the same way you're structuring an intention with the food and ninety degrees and keeping everything clean and precise and whatever doesn't mean that suddenly like the passion's gone the flavor the like verve and moxie and mm-hmm. electric life at the center of it is still in your food. Mm-hmm. So how does that work? Well,
1: you create a stencil, and you know you can still you know the stencil is a practice.
0: That's so good. Just you saying that is like you're like yeah, I'm making the outline of the coloring book. That doesn't mean it has nothing to do with what I decide to do with the colors. Yeah, and it's not even like you're even confined because you're right. ma- you know you're, you're, writing, you're creating you're the outline a coloring book. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> that's so good. Do you feel like that's how, like, I don't know. That's what you seem like to me, just person to person. It's like you you uh, have a calm intensity. What did Jay Gold say? You, you, he's like, in this one review, Jonathan Gold, Pulitzer Prize, really Jonathan Gold, reviewing Bob <laughs> Thompson. I think he said, like, you move around the dining room, like, with the, the lithe grace of, like, a, a electric guitarist. or avant-metal something. metal guitar metal guitar <laughs> No, but that's true. You do have this intensity and this focus in your movement and your intention and stuff like that. But under it, it's not its not cold, you know? Sometimes it feels like a little zen detachy or something like that. In okay. a, I think in an admirable way. Oh, cool. But you still feel that. You feel like the passion doesn't go away. Right. Do you feel like there's like this stormy, like this well of that... Humanity that is dark and volatile sometimes, but like bright and explosive. Do you still sense that in you somewhere? Oh yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah. Like always. Like, no, like I the mean, Hulk, I've, like it's something uh, you can just access. Oh, I mean,
1: like like the Hulk. I mean, I definitely could just react. And at this point, it's like it's mostly. I just have worked so hard to be more of that calm person. Mm-hmm. But like, if I wanted to just like light someone up. It yeah. will be easy. You know what I mean?
0: Yes. I think this is important because it's like the core of us doesn't necessarily go away. Our, whatever our demon might be or, or yeah. the thing that's beautiful but also dangerous inside yeah. of us never really goes away. But you are able and maybe this gets into the food thing too. Who am I? You can mm-hmm. see those guys on the plate. You can see those chefs on the plate. Like as you get older, that core of m- fucking maniacal genius inside of all people doesn't have to go away for you to be able to touch it and be in dialogue with it and whatever. I used to call it, I called it the wolf. I had this Mm. conversation with the wolf who was inside me too. And it was like eventually, and he would be very volatile sometimes and, and cool and powerful and all these great things that I loved, but sometimes like hurtful to me and other people. And I remember having to literally talk to it when I realized like, you're here, my demon that lives in its little cage under my rib cage. I'm like, you oh you're my buddy like not my friend you're my protector and that means you're not gonna always do things that I like or that are nice to me but it'll keep me fucking alive in the best way you think right but sometimes it's gonna drive away other people who don't deserve it hurt people make my quality of life worse alive but worse right and I had to like you like end up having a conversation with this thing where sometimes you're like oh I really need you right now you are really your beautiful brilliant dangerous genius is like. I'll come out like flamethrow. I need you.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, like, as I've gotten older, I've really found a way. Like we talk about the stencil and all of that, and the the wolf. It's like I don't sit up at night and just think about food all the time. Like, what's going to be the next thing? It's part of the practice. Like at work, I do that. You know what I mean? Like, I still have ideas. Like, I'll be walking, I'll smell jasmine. But, like, That'd be great with strawberries and burnt barley. You know, but, like, at the same time, I'm not, like, there's my there's a focus and, like, a linear nature through, I'm sure, medication, therapy, and pra- self-practice of, like, I'm home now. It's time for me to take care of me and do my thing. And not just be like, well, what's the next dish? I gotta change the menu all the time. And, like, ah! It's like the the brain rela- the brain resting mm. makes the artistic brain stronger. 100%. You know what I mean? It's like you can't Ugh. just like fucking lift weights all day. to yeah. get stronger. There's that you gotta thing. Rest. Yeah,
0: dude, that's so hard, and that's yeah. harder and harder. For, there's there's uh, especially if you're like a bingey mentality. Yeah, they, I mean
1: with mania, that's total binge. too. The, yes,
0: there. I there's that song, you know, and I think it's from the Bible that like there is a season to to yeah. there's, there's like a season to all things. Yeah, I think it's like a really profound difficult concept to, like, maturely grasp of saying, like, um, in this thing of time doesn't exist and we're all on top of each other. Yeah. There's also... There is an appropriate... Uh, passage of things, of times, of phases, and saying like, this is the time I am in this, and now this is the time I am in this, and in the grasping or wishing to be outside of this or that one, and or or the um, uh, radar that you have or have not developed to detect what time you are in or supposed to be mm-hmm. in, the alignment thereof, is I think one of the difficult conversations to have with ourselves, and one of the different things to accept, and when you can, and finally go like in phases, no, like, it's game time right now. No. It is rest time right now. It is work time right now. It is play time. Right now. And, and and not so binary either. Yeah. Just saying like, and now this relationship is over. Mm-hmm. Now, this time of my life, I there's moments actually I, I associate with Alumet in those periods of time oh, that wow. I consider to be like halcyon days a little bit. Oh, yeah. Where I'm like, sometimes I miss, they weren't all great, they weren't all uh, bad, they were just beautiful. It was like a beautiful time of a of a little community and I miss it. I miss it so hard. Yeah. But it's so, if I tried to live in that nostalgia or be like, let's live like we're then now. It'll never be the same. And it'll never be the same. It'll never happen. I'll start right. to destroy that memory. Yeah, exactly. And to be able to go like, that time is over now and now I am in this time. It's, it's hard. It's very
1: easy to want to be somewhere that you hated. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, does that make any sense? Like, Say one more time. Is it very easy to want to be back to a time that you hated? Yes. Like when I was there, I was like, yes. Miserable, but loved it,
0: but hated it, but I was like, but we romanticize
1: then, it. Exactly.
0: Do you think that's like a coping go- mechanism for the pain? Like oh, that we yeah, just remember absolutely. fondly I mean, to go- to going back to it. Like I mean, struggle is beautiful. Yeah. Though.
1: I mean, it was so fucking hard and we were achieving so much. We weren't busy, but there was so much attention coming to the restaurant, like on the media, like, it, like national scale right. and like in, in the city itself. And people were like, Oh, this and that and whatnot. And it was so hard and we were just struggling so much. And I was working so much and I was disregarding so much stuff and not taking care of myself. And like, and I'm like, well, right now, it's like my life is, my life is much more balanced and easier now. But I'm like, but I was so creative and the food was so good and it was like it probably wasn't exactly. It
0: probably wasn't. It's just I was younger. It probably was, but it also probably wasn't.
1: Right. It, it was because it was new and I didn't. I had never been able to reach that kind of stuff before. Right. And now that it's like. It's like you level up. It's like it's like in, a, in like an RPG. Like oh, I barely beat that boss, but if I was like level seventy two later in the game, that boss would be a joke. Exactly. You know, was like I could. I, I like the food that I'm making now, or the way that I run my kitchen now is so much better than I was then. when It was just like ah,
0: yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah.
1: Survival crazy mode right. every but day. That, that
0: is a weird. That is a weird thing that we love that. I guess I'd say maybe, maybe authentic struggle is beautiful yeah. because when you start to fake struggle and you can start realize you're creating conflict environments just so you can relive the glory of overcoming those struggles, then you're in really dangerous territory. Yeah, That's like very destructive. But then the
1: other thing to go back to like, it's work time, it's play time, it's time for this, it's time for that. There's something that one of my chefs told me, he's like, and this is no new thing. A lot of people in a lot of industries talk about this. It's like, when you walk in the door, mm-hmm. you're in the kitchen until you leave. And then when you lock yeah. out the door, you're in your life again.
0: Yeah. It's Which like, is crazy. Don't, don't
1: bring that shit in and don't take sure. that shit home. Yeah. That's so fucking it's interesting, super, though. super
0: like monk. It's like, very monk. It's very fucking samurai shit. Samurai, yeah. But like... <sighs> It's also a little bit impossible. It's, well, it's, well, well, I well, would say this. It's when you can dance that line with grace and start bringing in your real self onto the plate, but not in like a way that's not
1: like I had a fight with my wife and I feel like shit. and I don't want to talk to you and like, fuck off, dude. Like I'm dealing with my own thing. Okay. Like, yes. I know there's no green onions. I'll fucking get them later. Like that kind of stuff yeah. is a lot different than like, okay, that was horrible that we had the fight. Like I will call her at four o'clock when we have a family meal. And we'll deal with it if I can. And she won't pick up. And okay, she didn't pick up. I'm just gonna keep moving on. It's not like she didn't pick up. Now what? I want to do and this and yep. that. Yep. Like-
0: you know, well that's when you gotta when you got a good bad brain. Yeah. Those are those thoughts that oh, go yeah. like, come on, we gotta do this, we gotta work on this right now. We gotta fix this, we're gonna F- fix it right now. We're, we're so, fix- so smart, we're so good, we're so brave, yeah. we're so kind and loving. We're just gonna fix it, we're gonna fix it right now. <laughs> like that's what it does. And then it starts like getting mad at you, like, come on, let me just fucking fix it. Let me fucking get those tools, let me get to work on this thing. Yeah. Dude, but that's how you take apart the VCR. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how you just go like, i bet I better gonna fix this tape head in this VCR. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then just <you> start unscrew. <sighs> Should have to the the guys. Year back together. Okay. Uh I'll start I'll start wrapping us down, which means we're probably gonna uh talk longer still. Um so I wanted to do the the six quick cues that I do with everybody. Okay. But before that, there's one thing I wanted to touch on just a little bit, okay. which is emotional eating. And emotional the idea eating. of emotional okay. eating. And just, just I don't that, do that. You don't do that? No.
1: Really you yeah. don't do that? No, What? Yeah.
0: Like, where you have something and you balm it with food. Food's not a drug for you.
1: Work is a drug for me.
0: Fuck, that's interesting. That's weird to me. Yeah, right? How? Like, what is... Do you see it in other people? Do you understand it? Oh, yeah. I've seen
1: seen someone get upset and then just start, like, eating chips, you know, or, like, fucking, like, order another round of, like, french fries or get another sandwich or whatever it is, you know? Like, for me, I mean, eating
0: is... But but you're, there's so much emotion in your food though too. Like you have an emotional connection to food. Oh, absolutely. But is it just? Do you feel like you're just on the other end of that spectrum where you your emotions turn into food? I and mean,
1: food is of- food is a medium for me. It's not a it's not a it's not a, 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 a solve. You know.
0: Fucking that's interesting.
1: It's like if I if I'm sad, I probably won't eat.
0: That's true. I you feel know? that. Well, it depends. Depends on what place I'm in.
1: But I mean, I, I definitely like, I need ice cream right now. I feel like shit.
0: That's yeah. so interesting. I had a weird... You do eat like a psycho sometimes, though. Oh,
1: I eat like a psycho on my days off. For sure. I eat like five meals. Yeah. Or like for lunch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you also like are on record, I feel like, well, in my record, of being like top five sandwiches in the world. One of them is the extreme sausage... Uh, Jack in the box? Jack in the box. Oh, dude, it is, though. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, Fuck we should just do another episode about this, but we should. We'll, yeah, I think we'll leave this in the mental one. health one, but I do want to get into like hardcore about like, you know, as fine, fine dining and, and a little bit more. We touched on it earlier, but just that if you can't enjoy crap, you'd not, you don't really love a thing. Oh, uh, definitely. I think that's probably like a different, to- a different subject. Well, like,
1: Grand Akis loves Pop Bellies. Pop Bellies is really fucking yeah, good. Yeah, Pop, Pop Bellies record. is amazing. It's <laughs> like, I, I know so many chefs that like, Go smash a fucking buttermilk fried chicken sandwich yeah. from any Jack in Box or wherever.
0: Yeah, I mean uh. I, I had a I had like a ridiculous the middle <laughs> of the night. I I got so much Del Taco the other night. I was a little Ch- high. Case of chicken roller to start, dude. I got two. I got here's what I did. You want to know my fucking order? Yes, I do. I felt, yeah, it makes it's so day. salty, dude. I had a Chipotle chicken roller and a Ranch chicken roller. Oh, I
1: didn't know they had flavors. I it oh like yeah, chicken. Oh, wow. they got
0: a queso, they got Chipotle, they got Ranch. <laughs> Then I ate, uh, and I got that was for the car ride home. Oh, of course. In, so you gotta have a car and, snack. And, and a chicken soft taco. You gotta
1: have a car snack.
0: Then I had a jumbo shrimp burrito <laughs> from Del <Taco>. Sick. <laughs> and a queso burritos, an epic queso burrito. <laughs> yeah. And I ate this all in one sitting. Yeah. Well, l- sitting, lying, like <laughs> lying on the couch, yeah, passing out, waking up, eating some more Lena. No, no, there's nothing like like when you eat a burrito and you fall asleep on the couch and there's that like
1: last quarter and you <laughs> wake up like 4 hours later but it's not time to really wake up. And you just eat <laughs> that. Oh man, I like stoned or not, it doesn't matter. It Doesn't matter. That the, burrito the burrito, butt. Is the, the burrito is the best fucking
0: part. The burrito sure. butt is the best. Dude, but I like literally my stomach woke me up in pain several times. <laughs> I felt horrible the next whole day. I I think what my brain does sometimes is because. I do crave like real bad for me garbage often. I think I go to a phase and then I just overdo it so hard that mm-hmm. it like creates something where I'm like I don't want to do that again for yeah. several months. But I don't know. i just I, it's in there, you know. Yeah,
1: but yeah, I don't. I don't. Maybe
0: it's the demon. The demon's in there. It's hungry. The it's like give me that hungry. shit. The wolf is hungry. The wolf is hungry. All right. Let me get into my six quick sure. cues. My conclusion section. We definitely put the time in. Fucking cool. damn. Um, Uh, let me get my questions. Okay, six quick cues! all right first and this is actually you kind of answered this a little bit uh, but maybe more that's on a personal level instead of a work one do you have any consistent practices physical mental whatever consistent practices, especially a physical one I'm interested in finding out if people work out and stuff like that
1: I do not work out but right my consistent physical you have
0: a very physical job I
1: work a lot, I walk around a
0: lot and I move a lot of heavy stuff oh we're having people come in oh, oh a puppy just ran oh, in no,
1: just hi hello, in. hello. Hi.
0: So, literally my dog and my brothers are walking in the uh, house right now unplanned
1: um, hi, look at so, oh whoa yeah Hey guys Okay
0: Okay. good boy Alright hey we're finishing up recording So just go in the other room And let me hey. Yeah thanks Thanks Hi. good to see you guys Good to see you Good Hi. to see you Hi Alright <laughs> Okay <laughs> Very physical job That's fine uh,
1: my, my most consistent physical practice Is the Wednesday morning farmer's market
0: Oh okay yeah That makes sense I've done so that with you No know, the Wednesday one I've done Sunday more been, often You've but been yeah. to
1: it with me before But like I get up in the morning at 5am And I'm off on Tuesday So I go to bed early Um, I get up at 5 a.m. I drive to Santa Monica, which is across town. Um, It's about 14 miles. Mm -hmm. Um, Not far. And if there's no traffic, it takes 24 minutes. Um, But uh, door to door. And then I get my dolly and my crates and I go to the market and I pick up all the vegetables and the farmers and lift them and push them back between the restaurant and the farmers market, which is about four blocks.
0: Yeah. What is that? What did you gain from that? Do you feel like not like gains, I get, I'm saying like I definitely, from the like, practice of I definitely
1: understand oh, the practice of like talking to farmers and learning about what's coming up is always yeah. exciting. And I get, you know, excited to see like peas now or artichokes or whatever. Do you, feel,
0: do you feel like it connects you to the seasons in it? Oh, like the absolutely. Earth stuff? Yeah, yeah, for
1: sure. And I mean, it definitely connects me
0: physically. I
1: move like it's hard. Like yeah. that, that dolly is like 200 pounds. For sure. Times. Yeah. I was like pushing it you know
0: that is so interesting i've never thought about this but by going to the farmer's market every day you do that is a weird exposure to nature because mm-hmm. you're seeing literally the fruits of each season from yeah, farmers are like the day before yeah very like that's so interesting in an urban setting i wonder if like that's a way to like hack uh nature exposures. just visit here. your you know you know interact in an intimate way with your farmer's market mm-hmm. regularly
1: you should anyway because it's, it's not much more expensive than the store and it's much better and it's fresher
0: insanely better Plus mm-hmm. you're supporting Like legit farmers It's really cool Yeah Alright second quick cute, Something cheesy That actually inspires you <laughs> If you have anything like that
1: Extreme sausage sandwich No um, <laughs> Something cheesy That inspires me um, <laughs> Hmm
0: You know like Sometimes like just Dumb inspirational quotes Or like You know just I don't know Maybe you don't have anything But if you can't think of anything it, It's okay What cheesy That inspires
1: me Well the, the extreme sausage sandwich Is pretty cheesy <laughs> So
0: what about the sandwich inspires you?
1: Um, You know, actually like this is is actually, no, this is actually, I, it's for my, what I do for a living and cooking. Like I actually am inspired by, by fast food. Yeah. Because, it's a compact, craveable
0: bite. Yeah. You know that we did have that one experiment. one time. We we, experiments. It's like an experimental, (laughs) experiential experiential experiment. experiment. Um, we, uh, bought a bunch of McDonald's stuff and then we're like, well, let's eat it. Let's like, let's like, Taste it. And the realization you have is is like the ketchup is like a, a burger's a donut. It's like the bun is so sweet. Yeah. Ketchup is like syrup. It's like crazy. And things you don't notice and you start to realize like, oh, uh this food doesn't even like taste good. It's just made of things that tell my brain it tastes good. Yeah. And there's like a subtle difference.
1: And finding ways to, you know, utilize the best possible Ingredients in the world, in the world, some of the best ingredients in the world that we get in California. Yeah, for sure. To make delicious, craveable, like crack, like fine dining food. Yeah, it's really my goal. is for it to be like cracky, craveable yeah. stuff.
0: I mean, I think that is make uh, does maybe set your food apart from other food that people associate with fine dining, and maybe that's one of the little secrets and people don't know is like that you're putting it in this super fine dining. I mean, like you brought me dishes, and you're like, take a bite of this, and I'll take a bite, it, and then you'll and then you'll be like little Caesar's pepperoni pizza. And I'll go, Oh my God, it is a little Caesar's pepperoni pizza. You know, I think you did. I think you had a, you had a bout of with like some of the pork thing, Bob, it's like this uh, lovely yeah,
1: little, bite. bite little, a little cornichon and p- fermented plum jam. It tastes like a McRib.
0: Yeah. Fermented play. You're like fermented plum jam with cornish and these bout of sort of buns. And then you take a bite. McRib whoa (laughs) but I think that's those are beautiful things to be inspired by because they also hit on a lot of nostalgia and you can count on them there's something about them that like electrically are programmed into our brain and sort of like secretly hitting on those tasting notes for people is like creates those harmonics again those sort of life harmonics that yeah resonate with other points in your life that you already know you love right cool all right uh this is my goth question what's something dark about you Something dark about me I mean you did express A lot of darkness Very openly on this And I really appreciate that Oh yeah I think think by showing Our darkness It helps other people Let the light in You know And also not feel So ashamed of the things About themselves That are dark I think You know
1: I I practice uh, I practice living (laughs) I practice living In a way That's (laughs) actually Very profound Yeah uh, yeah, they, that came out, so... We're all just practicing I living. I practice living in a way where I try to avoid darkness uh, at this point in my life yeah. and just kind of confront it and pull it out of my life immediately.
0: Well, that's so funny, though. That's literally the opposite of avoiding darkness.
1: Yeah, I'm going for it.
0: Yeah, like when you see it, you say, no, 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 no. don't stay in the dark. Come here, let me see. Yeah, exactly. So like, And as a result, you don't cultivate it as much. I mean,
1: I'm inter- interestingly, because I, I stopped taking hard drugs and I stopped recently stopped drinking for a period of time like I say that my darkness is like the unknown of of hard drugs for me like I don't I I the 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 darkness is like I really want to try them again to see if I can not get into that hole like do I have enough wherewithal and self you know motivation and power to avoid just the chemistry of addiction right which is probably not I just don't know no that is is
0: definitely like that's (sighs) pretty dark though yikes that's definitely like uh, careful with that one I,
1: I don't want to but I know like, what you mean. On like a psychological, could I do like, it? Yeah, like a philosophical manner.
0: Let me test myself with this thing that might kill me.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: That is a dark. That is a dark voice. I understand too. The risk-seeking voice, the one yeah. that's like, "Let's see if we could do it." All right, uh, get in there, get in I there, won't do it. Don't worry. What's something? And maybe this is connected to that. What's something you thought was cool when you're younger, but is clearly not cool now at all?
1: I thought that traditional brigade system that you talked about where the like, you thing. yell and you berate people and like you are, you know, like you just a dick to your commis or your younger cooks is like the way to be and that's how you needed to do it and I realized that just being like the screaming and the like I I still crave it because I grew up in that kind of a kitchen mm. and like I feel like it's kind of Ooh, it's like rock and roll it's like rock. It's, it's like that whor- whole
0: fucking Anthony Bourdain yeah. pirate chef yeah. nonsense I remember you saying that one time uh, a while ago you said like uh, yeah cooks are the new rock stars yeah. and like we talked about it we were like everybody yeah like everybody it was Jimi Hendrix came out and then everybody wanted to have a Fender Stratocaster yeah. and it was like now it's like oh a, a good cast iron skillet and a good carbon steel knife and yeah. be a fucking rock star chef but how that's so weird yeah. Which, oh, and P.S., this was a thought I had at the very beginning. I just want to bring back about the modern interpretation of the chef of like the Instagram thing. The first thing people do when they get food is pull out their phone. Yeah. I was like, I wonder on some level, though, does that mean at least now they're paying attention to what their food looks like? Oh, yeah. yeah. And that matters, like eating with your eyes first kind of a well, thing. Oh, yeah,
1: I always. I think that's always been the thing. But I think it's like, you know, people like pretty food. Yeah. Pretty food makes restaurants busier.
0: That's true But there is this thing That happens now Where like people make Graham food I call it Like like you know Where it's like, like Yeah, one guy That makes the fake good. food
1: Out of like Oreos and shit
0: Oh that's funny No like, definitely oh, that And like the tiny chef guy But I more mean like An actual restaurant That's like We're gonna hollow out A fucking You know pig's head And then we put a soup in it And you <laughs> eat the soup With the head it's like and a the bread soup. bowl But it's pig soup Yeah Or, or it'll be like There's a Pound and a half of Nutella Inside of this macaroon What? Yeah. You know And that Shock f- Shock jock Yeah, food. shock. Yeah not good food Just gram f- Shock jock food yeah. yeah And that I guess Is a negative aspect yeah. Of the like You know Anyway Alright well that's good That brigade system answers are Lovely I think that's so That's so important For people to hear And think about Is like Struggle's beautiful Struggle's attractive Like difficulty in fighting And all that stuff But like Damn you get older And you're like What the fuck That is That is not a way to live yeah. You know Yeah, I'm going to stop romanticizing it so much. Uh, All right, what's the last gorgeous thing you saw? Wow, that's a good question.
1: The last gorgeous thing I saw. I have a lot yeah pick one pick several last, whatever you like want. the last last go yeah to sure solos, to do picture of my friend's daughter playing in a in a little bucket in, her, in their backyard oh really yeah what about it it's like, just like a child like so smiley like in a like nothing mattered but the water around her in the little bucket
0: that's really good that's really good I'm gonna leave it at that that's really good uh, do you have a, a, a self-care method you'd like to share? Something you like to do? A favorite one or a recent one you're in? Yeah, my favorite self-care method
1: that I have now is to just think before you speak.
0: That is fucking brilliant. To I think of think that to as, it, self-care, though, yeah. to, as self-care, though. As self-care. Like people tell you, oh, think before you speak because it could hurt other people, blah, blah, blah. But understanding it is like also... Think before you see, speak. Like, for yourself, is am I going to say something true? Am I going to say something that's going to hurt me in the long run? Am I expressing myself accurately or honestly? Because that's all going to come back around. i got to pay yeah. for what I say.
1: I've gotten quieter as I've gotten older.
0: My last question is, uh, do you think farts are funny?
1: Oh, yeah. Farts are really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I was always funny when someone like farts and like the, whenever they break the fart barrier with you, like as a person or a friend or a coworker, Yeah, it's like, do they react or they just try to like <laughs> pretend it didn't happen? So always funny.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Uh, okay. Very, very final thing. I know I keep going like final thing, final thing. Um, I have a thing called the don't kill yourself list, which I started for myself when okay. I was in my late twenties. Uh, when I was having a really, uh, This Bodhi, I think is back. The wolf is back. Um, And it started with coffee, lavender uh, soap and sandwiches, coffee, sandwiches and lavender soap. And so it's just things that uh, remind me to stay in this plane of existence and not listen to my the bad part of my brain. Then it tells me bad things. It tries to kill me and just goes like, hey, there's really wonderful things to be alive for, including coffee, sandwiches, lavender soap and whatever else. I would like you to add something to it.
1: Well, I'm going to have to say my friends and my family and coffee um, because those, those because fucking coffee. Um, but if I were to add something to it, I will say chamomile, fresh chamomile. Ca- fresh chamomile,
0: fresh, not like the tea bags. No, like,
1: like chewing on fresh chamomile.
0: Ooh, like flowers is a flower the leaves It's leaves. What's it like? I've never even had that.
1: It's like, it's like chamomile and mulberries, you know, things that aren't around for a long time. It's like, remember that they come every year and they will come again. Just don't forget that you just have to wait for them and it'll happen.
0: I'm going to end that. Let's end on that. That's really good. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, my wonderful friend. Thank you, my wonderful uh, friend. If you, if you want to eat Miles' food, you should go to Michael's in Santa Monica. Uh, it can, it can you know, it's not the cheapest place necessarily, but you got that dope uh, bar menu, bar menu yeah. which if you want to try like just tasty bites. If you want my you interpretation
1: do, of a cheeseburger.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, it is fucking bomb. I know you put that shit on there begrudgingly, <laughs> but if you go for that bar menu window, it's in Santa Monica. It's called Michael's. Yeah. And just Google Miles Thompson. Miles Cooks on Instagram. Yep. All right. Thank you all so much. Thank uh, you listening to my goodbye, Ryan, And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Um. Oh okay yeah thank you that's all right that's a wrap we did it i don't uh no no outros you know maybe some days will be outros i don't know this outro is thank you very much for listening check out uh patreon.com slash my good bad brain thank you jordan sudak Coda, you genius motherfucker for these theme songs i love you and i love all of you listening leave your views blah, blah blah you know how it works all right have a good day see you next week bye